0: The Here. Who the f- is that guy?
1: Off at your...
0: I'm better than you. <laughs> and you know it. all. Kind of Isn't it, freestyle? <laughs>
1: This is the law. Live audio wrestling with the latest news, info, and interviews from the world of pro wrestling, mixed martial arts, and the best of combat sports worldwide. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Tidwell and Brady Wetem.
2: Wow! <laughs> Oh, as you can see right there, Brady went a bust and a move. The DJ's on the ones and twos on that uh, ever so invisible deck that he has. That's right, I said it. This is the Law Live Audio Wrestling. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. If you're joining us on YouTube, thank you so much for uh, sparing the time to look at us. Otherwise, you're listening to all of us uh, every week on your podcast provider, Spotify, iHapple, iTunes, iHeartRadio. Radio.
3: You name it, we's on it. That's it. We're changing the name to our podcast uh, listeners to the IHAPS. What's (laughs) going on, IHAPS? (laughs) What is the
2: HAPS and the IHAPS? Is that what we're saying here, Brady?
3: Man, what a week.
2: Dude, craziest week ever. Completely capped off with a, okay, PLE. Am I getting this right for all you youngsters out there? A PLE. That's that's what it's called nowadays? That is. It's incredible. Um, The Royal Rumble I'm talking about, which we're going to get to talk a little bit about. We have a special guest. We have somebody joining us for the first time, right, from Slam Wrestling. Um, Bob Kapoor is going to be joining us. We're going to talk a little bit about what happened at the Royal Rumble. The good, the bad, the ugly, everything that it was. Did we all enjoy it? And then, uh, you know, we've got a couple of little things. We are going to introduce, Brady, a new segment that uh, from our old friend, Big Daddy Donnie. Yes, one of the original guys from the Law Live Audio Wrestling. A new segment, Truth Bombs with Big Daddy. And if anybody knows or follows any of his stuff, it can be a little bit uh, truthy.
3: And that's kind of sometimes rubs people the wrong way. Ruthless? Wait, I'm not allowed to do that impression anymore. Damn. I was (laughs) kind of,
2: Speaking of ruthless, I mean, yes, everything has happened this past week. Wow. Just simply wow. But anyways, we'll get into all of that. And if you are listening to us on the podcast providers, you will notice that our guest this week on the TID's kick in the head is none other than TNA, superstar, philanthropist, entrepreneur, public speaker, all around, wow, guy to guy. I'm talking about Cody Deaner, and we get to sit down and talk to him. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can always go and watch it as well. You can do both. There's no rules. You can do anything you want, right, Brady? You can do whatever uh, you want. Whatever you want. Free speech up in here, no leaks.
4: No- <laughs> <laughs> so- ah, ha,
3: beat I you forgot that happened this week, too. Oh, my <laughs> goodness, dude! One of the craziest weeks in combat sports, and we're gonna get you to it after this uh, quick sponsor break. And yeah, a message on our way back from an old friend of ours from a oh, completely different so- show who we're going to introduce our listeners, our lawful listeners, our trademarks. We're going to introduce you to a friend called KJ. Lovely. Let's do a.
5: Totalsportcards.com. Canada's number one stop for WWE, AEW, UFC, NHL, NBA, and NFL hobby boxes. Total Total Sport Cards always delivers the most sought-after products. With the best price points in the market that you can find. Keep your collection up to date with totalsportcards.com. TotalSportCards.com, proud sponsor of Sunday night's main event.
1: Have you checked out Easton Hamilton's newest live music venue? Vertigogo is keeping DIY music alive in the 905. January 28th, Terry Green. February 3rd, Decade. February 4th, Punk Rock Matinee with Gag Order. And in the evening, Night of the Holy Spirit Drag Show. February 15th, Cheap Chocolates. February 23rd, Golden Shitters. March 8th, Sons of Arrakis. Vertigogo brought to you by q 2 Productions. Fanatickets.com.
0: Thank you. Hello, one and all. It is I, KJ Johnson of the Colossal Tussle Podcast, and this is your classic clapback with KJ, 1994 Royal Rumble edition. And let me tell you about it. It was the greatest moment of all time when two men for the first time ever won the Royal Rumble at the exact same time. How did it happen after an incredibly lackluster Royal Rumble with not much going on other than the kabuki, the freaking crush, Jeff Jarrett running around all over the place? It came down to the final two. It was Bret Hart and Lex Luthor one incredibly hated and one a canadian freaking hero let me tell you and after 30 seconds of shenanigans both men go over the top rope both men touch the floor the exact same time it was pandemonium freaking out all over the place until president jack Tony comes to the rescue and declares that two men have won the Royal Rumble at the exact same time. It was an incredible moment, one of the best in Royal Rumble history, and a first ever. And by the way, Vince McMahon was also taught by Rowdy Rowdy Piper how to finger some people. I'll see you next time on this day. I'm KJ.
3: And we are back on The Law Live Audio Wrestling. And thanks, KJ. Oh, my goodness.
2: I mean, he's not wrong about the finish.
3: (sighs) Yeah, well, we'll leave that up for the FBI to figure (laughs) out. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, we had a fantastic PLE last night. I'm going to call it a pay-per-view because I'm old. We had a fantastic pay-per-view last night in one... The Royal Rumble. We've seen a few returns. We've seen some debuts. We've seen some pandemonium. And the only way that me and Chris could properly give you a review, a non-biased review on the product as a whole, is by welcoming from Slam Wrestling our old friend, our new friend to this show, but our old friend to the the show, the new old, the old new, kind of like TNA, uh, Bob Kapoor. Bob, thanks very much for coming on The Law.
6: Hey, guys. Thanks for having me.
3: It's uh, great to see you. It is great to see you, my friend. Um, if anybody doesn't know who Bob is, check out Slam Wrestling. Slam Wrestling is one of the, probably the oldest coverage in Canada, uh, I would assume, for professional wrestling. That's been for the longevity stake. Uh, it's been around yourself and uh, and Greg have been doing this for probably longer than you'd want to admit on this show. Yeah, but uh, myself and Chris have always looked at you guys as as not only a staple in media, but just... A staple in how to review wrestling non biasly
6: Well, I appreciate that. I mean, Greg has been covering wrestling for over thirty years. I started with Slam in ninety-seven, so yeah, I've been in there for a while. But uh, I appreciate the comments, and you know, I appreciate the the uh, sort of the collaboration that we've done through the years through all the hosts of your show. It's crazy, awesome. right? It's crazy, Bob, because if you think about it, you
2: were there shortly after all of this started with this show. You were over at Slam. Anybody who knows can go back and listen to the first episode uh, where we recap this entire thing, where the show was originally for one week, Bob Kapoor. This show was called Slam, the wrestling show. And then Greg sent us a nice little letter that said, no, no, you can't do that. And we said, you're right. We can't do that. <laughs> So we came up with a better name. That's right. A better name. No, I'm just so, <laughs> so, I mean, yes. So, and now here we are through all of the guests that have that have done the law, right? And we're back to this whole thing, full circle. That seems to be a theme going on in this first, I don't know, season. Is that what we're calling it, Brady? Is it a season, this first one? Year one. Year one. Yeah, year one. There we go. You know, so this is when when we said we were going to do something like this, I said, it's a no brainer. We have to absolutely have Bob from Slam Wrestling because of what you guys do. Now, that said, Bob, obviously you did watch the Royal Rumble. Uh overall, before we get into the ins and outs of it, uh, did you enjoy it? Did you not enjoy it? What did you think?
6: I, I really enjoyed the show. I thought it was uh, you know, I was looking forward to it coming in as I usually do for the Royal Rumble. On um, this one, I think it lived up to my expectations. You know, I was very happy with it. If I, you know, didn't have the network and I had paid to see it on pay per view, I would not have felt ripped off. Like I would have felt I got my money's worth, which is, you know, to me, that's the test of a good PLE or pay per view, whatever you want to call them.
2: Was there any surprises to you? Uh, There's the well, biggest surprise Brady. That's the biggest surprise right there. <laughs> That's this is always the best part when this she happens with
6: with easier. connections. Oh, sorry.
3: There you are, buddy. We are. Got
6: you. Okay, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, I'm back. So I'm not sure if you heard that. I said the big you know, the big surprise for me, which was I really like to see, was uh TNA knockouts champion Jordan Grace come out in the women's royal rumble.
2: Yeah, I thought that she had a fantastic outing. Um, you know, I thought that she looked great out there, she looked like she really could fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully hopefully for the sake of the, the, the people that are employed by TNA, hopefully this is something that can happen in the future. Now I don't think that the WWE is offering up any singles matches anytime soon,
6: but this seems I mean, this isn't the first time that they've done it either. Right, Bob? Yeah, that's right. Uh, Mickey James was in there. Uh, I think last year when she was a knockouts champion. So, you know, whether this becomes an annual thing or if there becomes you know the, opens the door for more partnerships and i think the new environment in wwe they're certainly open to that uh, i believe you know tna has never been shy about you know letting uh their their performers appear at other events and i think that's a good thing for them and it's great for jordan grace too right like this is a that was a huge um building a huge audience to get to perform in front of and i think she handled herself more than you know more than capable she was she was really good she had a good showing as you said
3: Well, she came out even wearing the the Hogan colors. Now, I don't know if that's just, if that was just a coincidence or if that was like, kind of like, I'm here now, I'm coming out. You know, I can assume, I would assume in the shape that she's in, that she's a fan of the 80s gimmicks.
2: Brady, those are also the new TNA colors.
3: Those are Hogan colors.
2: (laughs) It's
4: color Hogan's colors. I don't see TNA's colors there.
2: (laughs) All right. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Um what did you think of jade cargill
6: i thought uh she did a great job uh you know they had even before she had come in i guess you know when uh when they've been just debuting her or showing her on vignettes they had built her up to be a megastar right they Mm -hmm. put her in there with with uh, triple h right welcoming her they had her interact but not get physical with some of the other uh women and it just built up the anticipation. So when she came in, you could hear the, the pop from the crowd. They knew who she was without, and some people might not have ever seen her work before, right? Because she's only been working in AEW. Uh, and I dare say that uh, while there's a, you know, certainly some crossover, WWE has an audience that probably has not seen her work. And uh, But they portrayed her like a star. She came in and she delivered like a star. The interaction she had with Nia Jax, and, uh, you know, the way they work together and her picking up Nia and eliminating her, that created a superstar, right? She is at the upper echelon in the women's division now, just from her appearance in the Royal Rumble. I was worried because I always worry when you debut someone in a Rumble and, you know, they don't win or they just become an afterthought, that sort of, you know, um, puts a damper on the on the uh, debut, right? And it doesn't set them right for uh, further you know, advancement or, or even for uh, making them feel like a special moment, but they did it with her.
2: Yeah. I think it's a perfect, I mean, it's kind of the old, it's an old school mentality when somebody is ready to debut, everybody kind of knows that the easiest and safest way to let them debut is to not force them into like a one-on-one singles match. You know what I mean? For the longest time, the easiest way to let somebody debut from the indie level, even all the way up, I'm talking like the beginnings of your career usually is you debut inside of a a battle royal. Mm -hmm. It's one of those like, you know what, we want you to get your footing out there. We want you to know what it's like to work out in front of a crowd. We want you to know, you know, all of those little things, but not too much pressure because you can hide in a group. Once you're out there, the biggest thing you got to worry about is your entrance getting in, boom, and then you can kind of hide in a corner with somebody. And the same thing happens, even at the WWE level. So it was super smart. The fact that they stuck her with Becky, you know, into a corner, Becky was like, just sit me up on top of this corner. I'm going to look at the entire match. I'm going to watch everything that's going on. Don't worry about it. I got you, right? It shows you that as much as we all thought, and still to this day do think, That Jade Cargill, absolutely, from the first time we saw her in AEW, we were like, this human being is going to be a megastar. If she stays on this trajectory, is going to be a megastar. But even at that level, you realize that the WWE just operates on a completely different level than everybody else. The fact that they still took somebody who is already a star but you get this feeling like, oh, she's, she's green all over again. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Now, now with that said, somebody who is not green all over again, we also saw the return um, of Nia Jax in there. I know a lot of people have said that she had a good outing.
6: What did you think? Well, she certainly, I mean, they wanted to put the spotlight on her as someone who, you know physically dominant she had i think the most eliminations of the of the women and she looked like you know the physical imposing threat that you'd expect her to to be i thought she had a you know pretty good outing um she didn't she didn't hurt anyone look like so that's a you know i guess a, a pleasant surprise and is that you know, what they,
2: we're going for though is that what we're going for bob at this level is that yeah. i mean are we saying oh it's a, oh she didn't hurt somebody like, well, but, you would think uh, there
6: has got to be a higher standard right I I think there should be, but I think with her, that's sort of the, you know, whether it's deserved or not, that's the reputation she's got. And they've even built that up on TV, right? Like, they've made comments that the only, you know, the only thing she's famous for really is breaking Becky's nose. So they're even, you know, um, furthering that in terms of her character is that she's, you know, she's dangerous. So I think that that, you know, in in this case, is it a low bar? Maybe, but it's the bar that's been set.
3: So things like the WWE, would talk about them doing things so much differently. This is go away heat. This isn't real heat. This is go away heat with Nia Jax. I I would I would assume sixty to seventy five percent of the people that are booing her viciously, they want her off of TV for whatever the reason is. It's go away heat. It's very X Pac heatish back in the day where you're just like, all right, I've had enough.
6: Yeah, but people are, I but I will say that people are still paying to see her, right? People are still buying tickets, and I think. Are you can't deny that forty-eight thousand. Now, whether or not they're buying tickets to see her, she's right. part of that. She's part of the card, right? People yeah. are paying her. People aren't walking out, or at least that I saw during during her match or, or you know during her matches. Or and, and they put her with the right partner or the right you know dance partner, so to speak. And Becky Lynch, that people want to see it happen. And when she gets beat by Becky Lynch or whoever you know finally puts her down, that person automatically gets that bump. Right, like even when uh, Jade Cargill picked her up and threw her over the top rope, that's huge. Like that was massive. You just you just made Jade an, an instant babyface reaction, right? Because mm-hmm. look what she did to to Naya. So I yep. think I think you should play into that, like push the envelope with the with the go home beat because it's it can make money.
3: If Vicky so Guerrero was a perfect description yeah. of that. They, they didn't want anything to do with Vicky at first. They they kind of felt like this was pandering, like, why was she there? And then it got over to the point now where she doesn't matter what TV she walks out on. That's probably one of the, the nastiest reactions you're going to see for anybody, right? So, yeah, I do, I do get what you're saying.
2: I think there was a lot of stuff inside of that Women's Battle Royal where we were able to write a lot of stories going forward in my opinion, because you got to see like the, the face off between Bianca Belair and Jade Cargill sets up future stuff. Mm -hmm. The fact that Jade Cargill is in there with Becky sets up future stuff. The fact that Jade picks up somebody like Nia Jax also shows that there's a story that can be written there. So I think that they did a, a really good job as far as story writing and whoever put it all together, did a fantastic job as far as that woman's battle Royal went. Um, sure. There was some, you know, missed opportunities and so a couple of blown botched spots or
3: whatever, but that's normal. I,
2: who cares? Yeah. Who cares? Who cares? If, that's, if, if that's what you're going after, who yeah. cares people? Come on, smarten up.
3: Right? So moving on from the women's uh, Royal rumble, we ended up going yeah. straight into the world title.
2: Yeah, were you surprised, Bob, that they went with this
6: um, in that spot on the card? Well, I mean, you got to flip a coin, right, between that and the uh, Logan Paul Kevin Owens match. So, not necessarily surprised. I think uh, you know is after the world title, you know, being the that being the ending. I think he wanted to have. Well, I don't know because I guess either ending for the match was a bit frustrating for the crowd. So, I guess it's kind of a pickem. Um, but if the you know the the world title match is not going to be your main event, I think you put it earlier on rather than later, because you don't want it to be directly before the main event, because then it looks a little bit more like an you know the undercard. I think by by adding another match in the in the middle with some distance, it's a percept maybe the perception is, is it's a little higher prestige.
2: Yeah, who would have really thought that the match with. Um, Kevin Owens and Logan Paul would be considered the quote-quote popcorn match in this, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's crazy, you know? Um, yeah, listen, I for one, I don't know, tell me what you thought of that finish first, Bob. That finish of that Logan Paul-Kevin Owens match,
6: I liked it in that it was different. Uh, it okay. that it, you know, because too often it's that sort of thing happens, uh, you know. And, well, too often happens the other way, right? Where the heel will bust someone up uh, with, you know, the nux or whatever weapon and the referee will miss it. And then the heat goes, to the referee, I think in this time, the heat probably went to the referee a little bit, but it was for the right reason, right? In terms of the story, in terms of kayfabe, it, it made perfect sense. Uh, is it frustrating? Sure. Does it add heat to, to their feud? Yes, I think it does. And now they can open up a, you know, whether or not they want to go the Vince Russo road, uh, route route and, and book a brass knuckles on a pole match uh, or some like you know no dq match a Pinata. stipulation for wrestlemania right that's yeah. that's where they can obviously lead to
2: i think one of my biggest things and this is something that i know from talking with people that that i know down there um for the longest time and you know this referees have always been you know they've always been kind of booked as they're the authority in the ring but not really Right. And that's always been the story in professional wrestling. And I think you're kind of seeing that change a little bit over time uh, to the point now where it's like, what, what are we doing if we're just being utilized as a joke for this, this show, this story that that we're putting on for people. Right. So the fact to me, anyways, the fact that they did catch it, it. Fantastic. The way that that finish played out for me was great. I think. I think even the office and the fans were surprised at how good that finish actually came off
3: visually. It was perfect. Well, th- yeah. to, to put a point on what you were saying as a referee, like if you don't take the referee serious, that means that the rule book is not being taken serious, yeah. which means what's the point of even having rules? You need to treat these referees like they're serious human beings. Their authority matters. And I used to love that mentality, and I think they still have it. That is, if the guy's shoulders down and he doesn't kick out, guess what?
2: Yeah. I'm going home. Well, listen, here's the way that it goes. Ready for it? You ready for it, guys? Just like when this show wasn't around for a little bit, without law, there is chaos. And if you can't, you know, you just, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I couldn't even get through it. I couldn't even get through it. It was so stupid. So the men's
3: (laughs) Royal (laughs) Rumble. The men's Royal Rumble opens up with twin brothers, number one, number two. And I do feel that the crowd maybe have been, they were a bit tired throughout the event. So that we'll just chalk it up to that. That Florida, the Florida heat took them um, by the time. So they weren't as loud through that rumble as you'd think they were. They were really loud at the beginning of the night. But I do feel like that, that men's rumble was a really good storytelling rumble. Everything had a story, no pun intended.
6: Yeah, I don't disagree. Although I will say to me, the rumble really didn't start until, you know, Cody was in there and punk and really got, uh, you know, became interesting when punk got in there the first okay. half, I, I agree with you. They, they set, you know, set the seeds or further some storylines. I think the the most significant one to me was the brawl between uh, AOP and, uh, you know, Bobby Lashley's faction. I don't think they have a name either. They might, but I forget it. Uh, but You know, to me, a lot of that was setting up for that. And when that big brawl happened, it was, you know, it's interesting. But until the big names that were, you know, the the top four guys, top five guys at the very tippy top of the of the main event tier came in, you knew that none of those people were going to win. And it was entertaining, but there were there weren't the consequences that you want to see in a rumble. At, up until then. But, you know, I, I had, like I said, I had fun watching it, but I could see why the crowd was a little quieter is because, well, we know that these people aren't going to, aren't going to win.
3: Well, I got a, I got a serious question for you, Bob. Um, how mad are you that R-Truth didn't win and is not on his way to WrestleMania to challenge for the title?
6: <laughs> you, you know, not as much as you think. I, <laughs> I guess not there's Not as much as me then. Yeah, there's always a, there's always a good, you know, R-Truth is consistently good at the comedy stuff. Um, is it the right place? You know, he did the comedy spot in the women's match. I thought it was funny. and Amazing. The, yeah. Yeah. Really <laughs> good. Uh, in the, in the men's match where he, you know, was confused, thought it was a tag match and the whole dynamic with the judgment day. <laughs> that's, you know, sadly, that's not where I want to see the judgment day involved in. Is I in agree that, though. I agree. stuff, Right. He, he does it well and it, it comes across well, but I think it's a distraction from it's, Like I said, it's a juxtaposition that you've got all these serious guys in serious stories for the world title, finishing the story, right, proving whatever they have to do. And then you've got this sort of distraction and you've got him interacting with. Now, I love the way that Priest just came in, one shot at him, took him out. Right. That was that's how that should have ended. But I'm Mm -hmm. I didn't think it should have been necessarily in that match as much as it was.
3: If I was a writer for WWE and I was in control of the Judgment Day and R Truth storyline, I would have let this go a, a couple weeks ago. I think this is, it would be better for R Truth to kind of go through the roster and do this kind of stuff with people, right? Always have him kind of, whoever's kind of lost for a second, even if it's like a carrying cross or whatever it is, have him all over the place interacting with the entire roster like this. So you never know where he's going to pop up. But I do feel like you're right. It's become almost stale with the Judgment Day thing now. It's like, you're making a joke out of one of the most st- serious stables that you had on your main show. Right. So,
6: well, here's my other concern, right? Is that let's say he costs priest to cash in, right? So priest cashes in yeah. and all of a sudden our truth screws it up. What are you going to build that to a feud between Damien priest and our truth? That just seems like a major step down for, for priest. So I'm not sure what the ultimate yeah. payoff is. I, I
2: th- And that's the thing. That's really the thing at the end of this is somebody's going to have to come in and there's going to have to be something's going to have to pull our truth out of that mm-hmm. story. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know what it is as of yet, but and I don't even think they do. So they're just kind of like, eh, let's just see where this goes because you can't argue with the fact that at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter other than the fact that they're selling millions and millions of shirts the merchandise sales for our truth is really like why are we fixing this this is what's working for us and this is where we make our money you know what i mean so i i for one would love to see our truth in something a little bit more serious Mm -hmm. but let's face facts he's also you know 50 plus years old um and if he can he's found a way to Get this over yet again, because this is the same. This is just an elevated thing of what he was doing when it was the 24-7 champion thing. Yeah. You know, so I I get it. And now he's just, they've actually let him run with it. He's funny. I like it. Um, I don't know if you guys caught this at the beginning when they had the two brothers. It was really kind of weird for me. When you saw them making faces at one another, it was almost like, wait a second are they, because you know that the two of them are kind of nerdy, right, mm-hmm. in real life, are they trying to do some weird Disney Lion King, you know, alpha male, I growl at you, you submit with your eyes? It was this weird kind of thing, or maybe that was just, you know, the party I was at last night. I, I think
3: know. Kevin Dunn is gone. And <laughs> I, I, no, and as, as much as that sounds like a yes. joke, I think Kevin Dunn is gone, and there was a lot of different, shots last night that you normally I don't think you would have normally seen a lot of the crowd pandering when like so Randy did his entrance well one of the key shots that Dunn's been doing forever when Randy does his entrance is when he strikes his pose they zoom that camera and they pan around him to make him look like he's a giant and he's got the whole world in his hands right they when he was doing that they were out in the crowd. Yeah, Like this looked a lot different than a lot of WWE shows. And I don't think people noticed it as much because of the stadium effect. So I think it just like, sometimes when they're in a stadium, they're limited on what they can do, but this did look a lot different. Now, Bob, be be real quick before, uh, because we don't want to take up all your day here. What did you think about the winner? I, uh,
6: you know, when I did my prediction for slam, I, I predicted Cody Rhodes, I think it was the, Yeah, it was, I think it was a storyline that made sense, given the, you know what they've been building towards. I think he's the right winner, because I think people do want to see that, um, that story come to an end at WrestleMania. And I hope that they actually pull through this year and, and put the title on him. Because I think if you don't, then it becomes diminishing returns with Cody Rhodes. If people are going to get to the point where they either just don't believe in him or... You know, there's going to be the you know, I, every time you put it, give him a t- title opportunity, he's going to lose. And I think that's the the challenge that they have by booking Roman the way they have booked him for the past three years, right? But I think someone needs to beat him. I'm, I'm I like to see Cody do that. And whether or not it's you know, am I buying into the hype of finishing the story? I think it's a, the right story, and they've been telling it right, and that's the natural conclusion.
2: Yeah, I think this all goes back to making good for Dusty, kind of thing. And 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 and. and- coincidentally happens to work out that Cody is that guy. Here's the thing that I noticed last night, CM Punk is good. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. We've never had that argument about it, but Cody is that much better at where he is in his career, what he's doing, his in-ring performance, just the entire package, everything about it, looks that much better. And CM Punk didn't need to win the Rumble. His story is set up. Cody's story is set up, so there was really no surprises, in my opinion, about what happened last,
6: uh, you know, on this weekend. Um, hey,
2: I'm sorry,
6: guys. I apologize. I think my cut out again for a second. No, you're no good,
3: Brian. You're good. No
2: problem. We're just rambling on there. <laughs> uh So basically, what I was saying, Bob, if you didn't hear, was I was just saying that, like to finish this story for Cody Rhodes makes a lot more sense. Nobody needed, there didn't need to be any big surprises coming out of the rumble last night. WrestleMania is we kind of know what's, you know, who the matches are and what's going to be the speed bump was obviously the injury to Seth Rollins. So Mm -hmm. how do we do that? Right. Um, I 100% think that you've got night one and you've got night two. You've got your mains set now right for WrestleMania going into it. Now it's all of the other matches that you want to get set over. And I think they did a really good job again. Royal Rumble has always been one of my most favorite pay-per-views of the year. It's really the one that I'm like, "Nope. I'm watching this one." Oh. You know, I'm old. Two nights of WrestleMania, oh brother. <laughs> brother. Right? Like you got to force through it, right? Um where do you think what do you think is going to be the biggest story that they could probably implement with somebody else. Cause like I said, we know what the main events are going to be now pretty much. They just haven't said it. Mm-hmm. Right. But um what do you think is going to be, what do you do with Logan Paul at this point? Do you continue well, I,
6: it with Kevin Owens? I think you continue. It's only two months. I think you continue with Kevin Owens. Like I said, you've, you've already set the seeds for some sort of stipulation match, like an ODQ or, or something that can add that uh, element of you know violence to it that uh, is you know the next level up. So I think you end yeah. that story you know you end that there. Um, there's the Drew McIntyre question: is where does who does he go up against? And you know I it, it's funny because I think it would be interesting to see him against someone like Gunther, right? And I know the dynamic might not necessarily work the face heel dynamic, but I think it would be one heck of a good match. Yeah, and an inter- and an interesting, like in a fresh and creative, or a fresh and exciting match because I don't think they've faced one another. Uh, but you well, know, speaking go ahead. You no, know, but
3: speaking on Gunther, just while I'm thinking about it, it I feel like they're doing long term storytelling now too because they're they're telling the story of Gunther versus Cody from a year from now. They're already mm-hmm. planting these seeds, and they have been since last year. It's it's really interesting with who when you look at this whole you know. This whole landscape from from step back, you're like, Oh my goodness, they're going back into long-term storytelling again.
6: This yeah, is nice I, to see. Yeah, I appreciate that that direction, right? That they're doing that because it, it adds layers to the stories that they're telling. And then you've got these sort of wild cards that say, Oh, yeah, it, that does make sense. It might not, you know, it might be shocking on a TV moment, but when they can go back and explain it, and they are, mm-hmm. you know, been, been doing that more recently. It adds, a, it adds that level of depth to to what you're seeing. So I think, yeah, that's exciting. The other you know big question is, do we eventually see uh, The Rock do something with Roman? And I think you could do that as part of, you know, set that up at Mania, even just Rock coming out and saying, you know, and taking out the bloodline uh, if they try to interfere in Roman and Cody. And then boom, mm-hmm. you have got next year's WrestleMania main event set as well and they did it before with rock and cena right where they s- set the match a year for the year later so you could do that this right now there it's kind of an embarrassment of riches in terms of what they can do and, and it's a good time to be a fan
3: and man yeah. what a wrench is going to get thrown in when our truth wins elimination chamber <laughs> they're not going to know what to do after that long-term storytelling guys <laughs> wow uh
2: so we are officially on the road to wrestlemania now um What's the biggest thing that you're looking forward to from now until then?
6: Uh, maintain the momentum. I think Elimination Chamber is, uh, you know, that's the next PLE or pay-per-view that they're going to get to. So it's a matter of adding in enough question as to who's going to win that to make those matches intriguing. Because right? if it's too predictable, then, you know, becomes, well, why am I watching this show? Uh, other than the spectacle of being in Perth right which I think will be ah uh, interesting to see just from the how their crowd reaction is but you've got and I think you know for as as of last night you've got that right and the women you've got people like you've got the Becky you've got Bianca you've got Jade you've got Naya. so they could easily come up with a, a six you know a sextet if you will of people that could have an interesting match and on the men's side you you know we just mentioned a bunch of the names that are still at that top tier who aren't in the title pictures so they can you know do a lot of things that way too. So it's it's a matter of keeping that momentum. I think from a business standpoint it's not getting distracted by the real life backstage stuff and focusing on the core content and the, the programming and if uh you know I think Triple H and his team have been doing a pretty good job, or a really good job and if they can keep that up without being affected by the other stuff then it's it's an optimistic road to WrestleMania for
2: me. Yeah, it's gonna be a very interesting landscape going forward. I think one of the things, you know, you can tell uh they've said that they're gonna start doing press conferences from now on after these PLEs or pay-per-views or whatever they're calling them. This it's very they're taking they're taking cues from uh what the UFC is doing. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about it. And but that that in itself is something that New Japan has been doing for the longest time as well. Right. So it's, they're showing growth, the WWE, who would have thought that even as big as they are, the money they bring in, the, the, the brand that they've built, they can still show something new to us. You know what I mean? So I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do. Um, and obviously, yeah, let's hope that it, you know, the good outweighs the bad, so to
3: speak. Yeah. <laughs> right? We'll get to that later in the show. But Absolutely. for now, thank you very now, much, Bob, for coming on. Uh, we not
6: only value your opinion, but we just value you, brother. We love you, man. Uh, the feeling's mutual, guys. I appreciate you having me on. appreciate what you guys do. I mean, this is a, this is a valuable forum for wrestling fans, and uh, you guys keep on up the tradition, so it's great. It's a different
3: environment for sure.
2: (laughs) All right. We're going to take a quick break, guys. Uh, We're going to try to pay a couple more bills here. When we come back, uh, we're going to hear from, that's right, Big Daddy Donnie and a truth bomb from him. Wow. Maybe a little bit more from KJ who is his Royal Rumble weekend here. Um, Hopefully he's got his act together by now i'm scared and of course then we'll get down to it and we'll talk a little bit about uh what has happened this past week and what's going forward because we do have a ufc fight coming up as well this is the law live audio wrestling don't go anywhere we'll be right back bob thank you so much and uh we will talk to you very soon as well my friend take care guys
1: Are you in the market for a used vehicle for your family or business? North Toronto Auction hosts public auctions twice a month, and everyone's invited. Hundreds of cars, trucks, SUVs, commercial vehicles, and heavy equipment are available. Plus, travel trailers, motorcycles, snowmobiles, ATVs, and more. View the entire selection at NorthTorontoAuction.com. Bid online or bid in person. Bid on items from government agencies, financial companies, fleet managers, car dealers, and public insiders. For more information, visit us online at NorthTorontoAuction.com. Hey, did you know that Saturday, February
3: 24th, Destiny World
2: Wrestling returns to Oshawa and the children's arena for Destiny's
3: Reckless? Is that the event featuring the indie god himself, Matt Cardona? You bet it is. I heard he's not gonna be there alone. I heard Steph Delander showing up. I heard Fighter Flight is showing up, Vanna Black, that Lindsay Dorado, and a whole bunch more.
2: Man, you better get your tickets now. They're on sale at www.destinywrestling.ca.
4: Don't miss out. Hit that subscribe button to get all the latest from the law, live audio wrestling. Now back to the show.
0: It is I, KJ Johnson of the Colossal Tussle Podcast with this, a classic cap back with KJ Johnson, Royal Rumble 2000, Madison Square Garden, incredible action, jam-packed to the rafters. and what do we have in this one? Royal Rumble, we don't even need to worry about over-the-top rope, we don't even need to worry about all of the bust-em-ups and fighting and shenanigans, because what we got is Rikishi, Grandmaster Sexay, Scotty 200 hottie they are dancing right in the ring a middle a first in madison square garden a first in royal rumble history where three men are busting a move in the world's most famous arena but Rikishi, ever the spoil sport, clotheslines both men, tosses out his two buddies because it's every man for himself. But there's always some time to do a little jig as you're rumping up that big roast in the middle of Madison Square Garden. Shame he didn't win, but by the way, Vince McMahon and Bob Backlund having a sex dungeon orgy on this day.
5: Hey everyone. My name is big daddy, Donnie De Silva, and I'm here to drop a truth bomb. And this week, what I want to do is I want to talk about you. Okay. Well, maybe not all of you, but there are those of you that are part of the toxic vocal minority of professional wrestling fans. Now let me rewind. For almost three years, Jade Cargill was a member of the AEW roster, having debuted on November 11th, 2020. In her very first appearance, she was teamed up with NBA legend Shaquille O'Neal versus Cody Rhodes and Red Velvet. And since that very first match, the AEW fan base were absolutely toxic. They came at her with comments like, she's garbage, she can't wrestle, she sucks. Give her spot to someone else. On January 5th, 2022, she became the inaugural TBS champion, defeating Ruby Soho. Her entire gimmick was essentially revolving around the fact that she was unbeatable. They put her on this wild win streak that eventually mounted up to 60-0, and during that time, none of her matches really had any semblance of story, character development, or intrigue. That's not her fault, folks. That's how she was used. They were all glorified squash matches. I think she bumped less in those 60 matches than Chris Tidwell did in the last six years of his entire career. Tony Khan constantly compared her to Bill Goldberg, which was a mistake on so many levels. But much like Goldberg's run, neither WCW or AEW had any idea how to maintain her status after the streak ended. It was her identity, just like it was Goldberg's. Predictably the we love work rate and five-star match crowd went even more toxic. Get her back to training. She sucks. When Jade's contract was set to expire, she let AEW know her intention was not to resign. And as soon as that nose broke, well, here come the neckbeards out in full force. Does she think she's going to do better in WWE? They're going to see she sucks and they're going to bury her. They're only signing her to keep her from AEW. They'll never use her. She's garbage. In September of 2022, WWE announced they had signed Jade. She made a few TV appearances and then went straight to the performance center. She was there because she's still green. She hadn't really learned much working for the competition and she needed to be taught how to tell stories in the ring. The media had started to grow impatient over the last couple of months and they were grilling triple H at press conferences. When will we see Jade Cargill? Some even went so far as to suggest WWE regretted the signing because there was nothing they could do with her. Triple H was clear. He said, Jade will start when we know she's ready for whatever we throw at her. And last night, by God, she was ready. Jade Cargill made her official WWE debut at the 2024 Royal Rumble. And with all apologies to LA Knight, she became an absolute mega star. She has that natural charisma, and there were fans who weren't familiar with her that became fans by the end of the night. She may have taken more bumps in the few minutes she had in that rumble than she did during her entire 508 days as TBS champion. And despite what you may have thought about her previously, she didn't need to win to establish herself. She went face to face with established names held those moments for the crowd. She picked up Nia Jax without a post and still took the time to flex her bicep. That stare down with Bianca at center ring was magic. So to the toxic fans who love to say stuff like Cody going back to WWE, he's going to be a mid card joke again. CM punk will be fired in a month. Cause he's a trash human being or. Jade Cargill's garbage and she'll never get over in WWE. Let me ask you, how's it feel to be completely dead ass wrong? You know, being the bitter expert who craps on everything is just so cliche. Trust me. I've been there. I'm Big Daddy Donnie. You don't have to agree with me, but it is the truth. do
2: you have a podcast are you looking for high profile guests for your show but don't know how to get in touch with them go to podstars.net that's podstars with a z.net for less than nine dollars a month you can get access to a huge selection of celebrity guests like wrestling superstar the blue meanie to musicians like marty ray and even actors like tom arnold podstars is the place to go to connect with everything you need for your podcast so go to podstars.net with a z to get signed up at podstars.net you'll be happy that you did Wow, look at that, huh? Look at all that. Look at all Bobby there (laughs) at the end of that plug.
3: Wow. And we are back on the Law Live Audio Wrestling. Wow, it has been an exciting episode and it has been an exciting week in the world of professional wrestling. Um, What do you got? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what. You know when? Why, why
2: do we? Why do we feel? Why do we feel like? You know, you're taking that walk down the street, and and you can clearly see that there is a gigantic pile of shit mm-hmm. on the sidewalk that you're walking towards, uh-huh. and you're like, well, I don't want to give up my walking space so you don't step in the shit, and you don't want to give up your walking space so that I don't step in the shit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so. At some point, do we ask ourselves? Do we just hold hands and skip over it, or do we cross the street
3: and go the other way? Look, at, Vince McMahon's a fucking pervert. We all had, we all had yes. a, we all had a feeling this entire time. Depending on how long you have been watching the business, whether it's been a week or it's been forty years. The guy's a fucking perv. He got outed. If you live your life like this at any point, it doesn't matter if you did it for one week or you did it the whole time, you will get outed. There is a thing called karma, motherfucker, and it's coming for you, bitch. Now, these are just accusations, and this is just my opinion, and I stand beside nothing. I don't believe in anything. I am just a human being that's watching I this all unfold. St- I stand
2: beside nothing. That's right, and when you see them, you tell them I said nothing. Okay. (laughs) All right.
3: My last statement on this. My last statement. Uh huh. You wouldn't let her wash the feces off. Okay, that is. It's just too much. Listen, and 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 we've
2: said this before because you and I have had this conversation off air. You and I have had this conversation off. Okay. Um. The reason. The reason that it x us out is because we're not into it right but mm-hmm. no that's there's a lot no there's brady? a lot more than just that brady brady mm. i'm gonna point you in the direction now i don't know if this is a real website or not but www.scatlovers.com no, no, no do not do,
3: we're not getting into this
2: is a real thing. I don't know if that website is a real thing, but websites like it are a real thing and people pay money. People pay money and people go to these websites and buy memberships to be parts of these uh, websites. So clearly there's a demographic of human out there that is into it and is accepting of it and is okay with it. Just like there's a demographic of people out there that are okay and accepting of nudist colonies. Okay, okay we'll, not, not my talk. thing, not my thing, but that doesn't mean that it's that it's not accepted by some people. However, however, we here think that it is absolutely I, vulgar. I'm and not disgusting. even
3: testing. The reason why people are why even I just used like to dr- like I drew to the fecal thing and I drew uh-huh. to the pooping thing because that's the only thing that you can talk about that isn't like. Completely disgusting, predatorial and it also hasn't been proven yet. And I'm not defending anybody or anything. These are it's. It's just not a zone I want to. I'm going across the street, bro. So you I'm decided. The take,
2: you decided to take the shitty take instead.
3: I just don't. I don't know what else. Whatever. <laughs> remember when I called you and I was like, "How are we going to do this show this week? Sure. How the fuck are we going to get through this? Like, how Easy. are we supposed to talk about this? Well, I don't want to talk about this. Okay. And somehow we're talking about this.
2: Correct. Because we would be remiss if we didn't talk about it.
3: The guy seems to be a fucking predator. Right. I mean, by all accounts. Seems to be. By all
2: accounts, the, the words that have been put out there, and this is another part of the conversation that I've had with you. We all know, ladies and gentlemen, we all know how books are written. We all know how words work. We mm. all know that when you write something down on paper in the form of a book, in the form of a letter, in the form of a, of a poem, we all know that those words are meant to elicit some kind of reaction, some kind of emotion, some kind of visual in your head. That's why they're put there. That's why we have adjectives. That's why we have things like this to describe. So the words that were put down in all of this, just like the words that were put down in the text messages that were sent, okay, the words that were put down in the legal documents are meant to paint a picture. And the picture being painted right now does not look good for Mr. McMahon, Mr. Laurinaitis, and an unnamed WWE slash UFC champion. <laughs>
3: And a physical therapist and a bunch of other people in the company. Tech guys. There's a whole bunch of people involved here, apparently. Now, I read all 67 pages, 300 paragraphs of this. Of this See, and, I didn't. And I'm not, uh, I don't even have, I got nothing to say. All I, I agree with Triple H yesterday at the press conference last night mm-hmm. or this morning, depending on whenever you watched it. It's been a good week. Let's just focus on the positive. Um, I don't want to focus on the negative.
2: Yeah, which is one hundred percent correct because all we've got at this point is that initial uh, the initial volley of bombs.
3: So I to wasn't speak. In, I wasn't involved. I'm not a lawyer <laughs> and, and I'm not I'm not a detective. So my you opinion forgot on most, this matter
2: Hold on, Brady. Hold what? on, brother. What? You forgot the most important part, the most what? important one. I need you to look right into the camera. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen,
3: we're not journalists. Nope. I'm a broadcaster and I'm doing a great job of it. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. This is an opinion piece. And my opinion is I'm staying out of it until they figure out what's going on, and some charges are actually pressed and stuff like that. So
2: yeah. Yeah, it's a wild world that we live in. There's no doubt about it.
3: Uh if they think can we continue to make jokes and not like not like add any realism to it so we don't look like insensitive pricks
2: well yes okay you absolutely have to because everybody knows that the, the the power of comedy is the absurdity in the
3: situation
4: yeah
2: one hundred percent so and moving on from the like scat jokes,
4: man
3: suck it moving on from scat be-bop, man be-bop, we, be-bop, 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 be-bop. we got a ufc coming up and chris let's do a quick rundown of this curve before we roll this right out for the week
2: Oh, uh, you're gonna make me. You're gonna put me on the spot here right now, aren't you?
3: No, 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 no. I'm Because
2: not put you all of my spot. stuff, all of my stuff, just died right out. Oh, so did? I gotta it? Like, yeah, we just got to like pull this up real quick well, on well, this we- other thing. But that's okay because it's not really that strong of a card to be, you know, to begin with, right? If you think about it, because it's just give me some highlights. Well, okay, you've got well the main event, of course, right? Is uh, uh, Delite and uh, I'm Avol. I'm Avol. Which is going to be one hell of a fight. There's no yeah. doubt about it. So, listen, Drew Dober, Hanato Moicano. Drew Dober, Hanato Moicano. Okay, fantastic. And Randy Brown is back, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my goodness, Randy Brown. Like these are the these are the cards. These are the cards that are going to set up in betweens for the people that were or the fights that we're going to get at like 298 which is coming up yeah. next for the UFC. Yeah. Then 299, then of course 300 which holy crap ladies and gentlemen. Can we just talk about 300 for a quick second Brady? We, we've been getting because, complaints. Because because wait, here's another here ah, here's another thing that happened this past week. The UFC signed fucking Kayla Harrison, bro.
3: Yes, I did see that.
2: And she's fighting Holly Holm
3: at, 130, a at
2: 135 pounds ladies and gentlemen kayla harrison used to compete at 175 pounds. yeah i was gonna
3: say 170 right yeah
2: okay okay there's
3: rumors now too that there's <laughs> weight divisions getting switched up that there may yeah. be a 165 and 175 pound weight division for the men's we got a lot going on in the world of combat sports
2: as it's and as it stands right now we still don't have a main event for 300 we don't i mean we do there is a championship fight there's two belts on the line. One of them, a real one, but we don't, we don't have a main event because I'm sorry, but the main of the, the, the title fight that's there right now between, uh, um, Zhang, right. Yeah. It's just not a strong enough. It's not a strong enough fight.
3: Well, and the main rumors reserve much- this. The rumors are this week too. Is uh, Dana saying that there's a super fight? It's not even for 300, but there's a super fight coming up here in the next couple of months that's going to blow sure. everybody's minds.
2: Well, this would be a perfect opportunity to have somebody like Conor McGregor, Michael Chandler fight for that new 165 pound title. Get rid, get rid of uh, you know 70 and go throw in a 65 and make 70 go up to 75. Yep. So you got 75, then 85, and 205. Right. I think that's great. And have have Connor, have Connor and Chandler fight for that inaugural 165 belt. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're going to get a lot of like um guys, you know, at 55 who are like, Ooh, I don't have to cut weight now. And then are gonna still fight at 165 and would still
3: dust both of those dudes. I think it's gonna switch up the division quite a bit. The middleweight and welterweight divisions are gonna be yeah. basically blended now. Yeah. Could you imagine?
2: I mean, here's the other, here's the downside though. Think about this. Do you have more guys thinking that it's much easier to become champ champ? Yeah. Because it's a big jump between 55 and 70, right? Mm-hmm. But if you got that middle point, you know, if you're fighting at 65 and then there's a 75 and then there's an 85 you're going to have a lot more guys that are like, well, I just feel like, you know, being all uh, DC this week and uh, and I'm going to just you- fight it, whatever I weigh in that day.
3: You could potentially see a triple champ at, at one point too, depending on if somebody dominant, like a Bo Nickel or somebody like that comes along and just holds those divisions down. Bo Nickel's probably the guy that would be best fitting for the job right now, but. You never know where the sport's going to end up in five years. You never know where it's going to end up in literally the end of the year, let alone five years, right? So,
2: listen, we don't know where any of that is going to end up. But what we don't want is, uh, you know, showing what the what the actions of this week can be. Is we don't need any more of those uh, three way champs, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just saying.
3: Well my friend, let's do a quick preview of Tids kicking the head this week YouTube listeners. Yeah. By the time you're done watching this, you can just go click uh, the link. It will be ready for you audio listeners seamless just stick around. But uh yeah, that's it for me this week. But yeah, give us a quick uh, a quick little heads up on what we're about to hear.
2: So I got a chance to sit down with longtime friend and colleague uh impact and TNA star uh, Cody Deaner. And I've known Cody for forever it seems like uh, i have a lot of respect for cody and we sit down and we talk about a lot of things that you don't normally get a chance to talk about you know with cody we talk about his his life as a public speaker we talk about his life at becoming a producer inside of tna we even talk about uh him taking on this whole thing starting to do podcasts mm-hmm. which is what he does with his wrestling his life life is wrestling so it's a really good really good conversation please go check it out share it with your friends you can check out all of my other stuff over on at tid talks on youtube uh and please do so because we are trying to i don't know if you know this or not share all of this with your friends because we are going to try to monetize this stuff so that we can do bigger and better things for you guys as well right membership has its perks so let's try to get all
3: of this up there um for me that's about it Brady what you got I am just looking forward to another interesting week I hope uh, no more lawsuits come out I am stoked for the future of the road to Wrestlemania and I am even more stoked for the road to UFC 300 I cannot wait to see what comes about over the next couple weeks but that's it for me this week I'll see you next week guys Tid, got anything you want to say tuck your chin ladies and gentlemen
1: Friends, You can catch Greg and Brad, your Smack Daddies, each weekend on the SNME Radio Network. We cover our lives, what's happening on the East Coast, and eventually cover SmackDown. Check us out each week at sundaynightsmainevent.com. Please subscribe to get your Smack Daddies and the rest of the SNME Radio Network content directly to your podcatcher for less than a dollar a week. We the ones...
2: As you can see now, it is time to sit down for TID's kick in the head. And this week, this week is a man that, you know, as you can see, he's got the best smile in the business. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. We're talking about a man who is a TNA wrestling superstar, a motivational speaker. I'm convinced that he's starting his own um, cult because of the amount of family members he's creating. But it doesn't stop him. It doesn't stop him from going around and, and talking to kids everywhere he goes. I'm talking about Cody Beener. I'm talking about a guy, when you look at him, you wouldn't think he is this positive and motivational guy. But we're going to get into that a little bit. I want to say thank you first and foremost, Cody. How you doing today, brother? Thank you for joining me, man.
4: Hey, man, I'm doing well. As you were just putting me over which yeah. uh we've done for each other many times over the years right? by the way uh in in the ring and out I, I was i was trying to th- i was just thinking how long have i known this handsome young christopher and it's freaking <laughs> going back many years man it's yeah it's, i i usually stop thinking about it because it makes me just feel old well uh, how long
2: have you been in the business how long have you been wrestling
4: 24th year this is
2: so there you go. And I mean, and anybody who knows our relationship and the stories that we've told back and forth, we've done other shows together, you know, uh, you tell the story about seeing me wrestle. You really have a good way of making me feel old as dirt by telling me the story about seeing me from the other side of the railing.
4: That's right, man. Yeah. My first in introduction to independent wrestling, which I mean, when you're... Some people have no idea about it right you just have the wwe or just have wcw or whatever it is that's in your area you know for me growing up it was always wwf that was on tv so i didn't even discover independent wrestling until i was a teenager and i went to some hwf shows back in the day in the london ontario area hardcore wrestling federation and this is like at the height of ECW, right so i'm an ecw mark so anything that's even remotely hardcore is the coolest thing ever so notorious tid was number one man i mean the the best he was he was my favorite so yeah man it's life is surreal sometimes you don't realize you know when you meet people or see people kind of where life was gonna head but uh i'm happy that led me led me here to to talk with my buddy for a little bit so this is i'm looking forward to this man
2: it's crazy when you look back and like this is one thing that I've noticed from doing these shows and I'm sure you can too, because you have your own podcast wrestling is life is wrestling, mm-hmm. right? Everybody, please quick shout out, go check it out. It's great. I've checked out a couple of episodes. Fantastic. I love watching your journey, not just telling the story in life. I do something similar with just by myself all over on my tid talk channel, mm-hmm. um, at T I D T A L K, please go check it out and subscribe. It me telling my life stories, you know, an hour at a time. I love watching people go through that journey because it makes me feel good about what I'm doing. Right. Because Mm -hmm. it's very easy to, to second guess yourself. It's even more easy to second guess yourself when you're talking to yourself. Mm. How has that been for you jumping into the world of podcasting where it's not always somebody in front of you and you just, you're just looking at a camera like this dead and just, trying to have a conversation with who you imagine is on the other side? Has it been weird for you? Because you, dude, everybody knows Cody Diener knows how to talk on a microphone.
4: That's promo <laughs> well, God. Well, that's such a good question, man. And it's something that I was very conscious of when I started. But I also believe that not only do I believe that everything happens for a reason, but as I look back on my life, I realize everything that I've done in the entertainment world has led me to where i am so jumping into this podcasting world where i've got to learn like technology like the technology we're learning right now to even record this speaking into a green light on the computer i had two years of experience doing that as a motivational speaker that was forced to do virtual presentations so Right. So during COVID, I kept my motivational speaking business going. I'd been doing it for years. So I was used to so I was used to res- uh, speaking in front of people. So the wrestling led to me to be able to speak uh, as a motivational speaker. And then my motivational speaking digitally helped me to be able to do, get, jump into the podcasting world. So for two years, I, w- I spoke to a green dot and I'm just envisioning these kids that are on the other side. because I'm doing these motivational speeches with zero feedback. Zero. Right. And you, you know the difference because you know the difference between doing, you know, a pre-tape promo to a camera versus being in the ring and getting that feedback from the audience. Right. You know this. I know this. It's it's a completely different animal. But I was not uncomfortable at all talking to the green dot or the, to the lens on the camera because it's something that I have done both in pre-tape experience as a professional wrestler and then for two years, you know, keeping that energy up. Just imagining who's on the other side. I realized when I started to do it, I'm like, oh, this is nothing. I've been doing this for the last couple of years, doing my motivational speeches virtually. So, yeah, it wasn't that hard of a transition for me because really the stuff that I had done had prepared me for it.
2: I think the only difference, the only difference is the energy level. Yes, Because you're not going to go out there and be like, if you've got a problem with him, you've got a problem with me. You're not going to cut the promo like yeah. you would to a camera and call for the match and do the whole thing. Because some kid in the front's going to be like, who is the psychopath and why is he yelling at me right now? Right? Yes,
4: yeah, I know. So that when I started <laughs> speaking, a lot of people asked me like how do you how do you do that because i speak for an hour when i go into a school i'm like what do you mean how do i do that we're like well with your voice and your character and stuff i go wait wait wait, hold on like what do you think it is that i do and they were like they thought i would show up at a school in a in a singlet and like cut a cody diener promo for for 60 minutes i'm like dude that's hard enough doing it for two minutes in a pre-tape or a couple minutes in the ring like There's no way in hell I'm going to do that for 60 minutes. For one, I just, it's impossible, the energy level. And then two, it's also, there's, it's not being authentic, you know, with wrestling, there's this expectation of, well, this is the carnival, so show me a character. So there's an expectation level, but then when you go into a school, they're not, they're not expecting or wanting, or it's not going to, it's not going to get over, you know, by, by minute 10 of me yelling in a Cody Diener voice at a bunch of kids, it's not, it's not going to go well. So, I mean, that, again, it's a whole other art form. I just appreciate creative art forms of all types. So yeah, man, you, you sitting down, telling your life story to a camera, that's, that's an art form that intrigues me and i give you all the props in the world to be able to do that because a lot of guys when they 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 need a, a tech team partner for something like that so i get it sitting all my intros and outros of my podcast is just me i i'll talk and i'll maybe talk about something and do it and you yeah the, the interesting thing and maybe this is the way it is for you too i'll look okay i'm gonna make this one quick i don't want this out intro to be too long and then i'll be talking and i'll look at my timer in the corner and go, oh my god i've been talking for 10 minutes right yeah. so like i I I have no problem. I got the gift of gab. I know you do too. So man, it's something that I've been really preparing for and training for without realizing it for years.
2: It's, it's one of those things that like I do, you almost have to make it a conscious decision to make sure. And then before you know it, you're like, Oh, like what have we talked about so far here? And we're, you know, 10 minutes into this thing <laughs> yeah, already. Yeah, we're
4: talking about the a process of, of talking <laughs> it's, it's, for too long. And in the process, it's, it's, we've done that. So <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, thank you once again, those of you that cannot read. I'm talking to Cody Diener. If you're listening to us on all of your podcast providers, Spotify, uh, Apple iTunes, Podbean, iHeartRadio, all of those ones, even the ones that I forget. Uh, thank you for joining us. Cody, I want to go back to the very beginning because I read something about you when you were a child putting on garbage bags so that you could (laughs) rip them off to play wrestler.
4: Yeah, man.
2: Who Who sat you down? Who sat you down in front of the TV to make you fall in love with wrestling? I know who it was for me. You know, I sat in my grandparents' living room, right, on Saturdays and they would put the TV on and there it was. Who's the person responsible for sending you down this path?
4: It was my mother. I got the best mom in the world and she saw my face light up the first time wrestling came on TV. We, you and I were both, we're talking about age a lot, but you and I are both old enough, you know, the old school TV with the antenna, with the thing that you Mm -hmm. would like have to turn that by the, by the TV and you'd hear the, antenna on the roof going (laughs) (laughs) so like I could get my antenna to turn and find the signal across Lake Erie and pick up uh, WWF television so that was what my mom did she put it in front of me and just saw the whatever it was in my face I'm assuming she just realized okay that's making my kid happy that's I'm going to keep doing that so whenever I asked Mom, can I watch wrestling? It, the answer was always yes. And then eventually, through the magic of, you know, VHS tapes that I could go go rent and wear those things out, and then record them myself. My dad was really good at that. He could like he could pirate any VHS and turn it into a a home recording. So I had like all these sweet like VHS secondhand recordings. And then my mom would be like, "What do you want to do now?" I'm like, "I want to watch Hulk Hogan." So we'd put it in. I'd watch it. You know, two hours later. Well, what do you want to do now? I want to watch Hulk Hogan, hit rewind, watch it over. So my mom was the one that let me watch wrestling for like six hours a day. And then my mom was also the one that gave me a grocery bag to play with, which that doesn't seem like it corresponds with being a good mother. Uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> because it literally says on the grocery bag, you know, do not give to children to play with toy. But my mom, she would, she knew what I was using it for. So she'd cut a hole in the bottom, cut a hole on one side, cut a hole on the other side. And if I was lucky, it'd be a no frills yellow grocery bag that matched the Hulksters. So then I'd put that on and I'd walk into my living room and rip it off as my Hulk Hogan shirt. And then for hours on end, you know, emulate everything I'd just been watching on TV for the last number of hours. So that that I spent the majority of my childhood doing just that.
2: Was it always Hogan and nobody else?
4: It was always Hogan. He well shouldn't say it was always he was my number one. Like he's the one that drew me in. Right? We all have this this a guy or a match or a moment that's like, for most of us anyways. We remember that, and for me, it was Hogan. And then I was also drawn to some of the high flyers. I was very much drawn to Jimmy Superfly, uh, Jimmy Snooka. I was also very much drawn to Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And then the first heel that drew me in that like, terrified me also drew me in and then later I, he became my guy was jake the snake roberts right really, yeah. he, but he, he he but he draws you in in a very different way you know it wasn't right. he was the, almost the opposite of hulk hogan where he was just like over the top mannerisms yelling and flexing jake would just talk very slow he had these piercing yeah. blue eyes and you're like oh my god you don't even as a kid I, I, i'm only analyzing this now as a as a performer myself looking back and <laughs> realizing what drew me to him but that was the 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 terror and like (laughs) different type of charisma like I, it was was the
2: psychological part like jake kind of came at you in a very psychological almost like silence of the lambs like i don't know what this guy's really gonna do to me and and that's what always scared me about jake as far as like being an actual like that scary monster this guy's gonna rip my freaking head off and you know what I mean and do things yeah. to me it was Nikita Koloff. Ah. Nikita Koloff was the guy because growing up in the states I grew up on a lot of like the NWA and I'd, those okay. Saturday night TBS studio shows that they would do you know what I mean it was it was yeah. those that I would watch for hours and Nikita Koloff was just this dude before he turned baby and teamed up with Dusty but beating uh-huh. on Dusty the whole time there in Magnum and that it was you would watch him and it's like, this is the epitome of what an angry, monstrous heel should be. And we yes. got away from that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For the longest yeah. time, right? The business yeah. got away from that. It's starting to get back into it, I think, though. Because you have guys like, you know, a Karrion Cross, for example, mm-hmm. who's doing fantastic with that kind of, he's being able mm-hmm. to take both worlds, right? Mm-hmm. Yourself yeah. included, because you had a switch, you had yes. a switch. You were like the, you know, um, pour some sugar on me, baby face, come out kind of guy. Yeah. By the way, I, by the way, the question is, the question is, how much sugar does one have to pour on you to get you going?
4: It only takes a sprinkle, man. It just takes a, just a, <laughs> what, just like, a little like sprinkle.
2: That, like that Dwayne Johnson tooth fairy, just a little yeah, black. Yeah, just, <laughs>
4: just a little sprinkle. You don't need a whole – you don't actually need a, a pour. I mean you do – you can do the, the – the movement of pouring, but it really only right. needs to be a sprinkle. Um
2: but you didn't you didn't want to pay the didn't want to pay for the fees to change the song to sprinkle some sugar. On <laughs> yeah.
4: You know me. I'm the cheapest man in wrestling. I'm not paying for anything.
2: <laughs> well okay that's not true. That's not true. You're not and I'm okay. gonna say this because this right. is this is another thing that is always I've I've loved this about you. For the longest time I was always that guy who had five shirts five different eight by tens, a bunch, like a section of the table was merchandise. You've taken it one step further. How important is it? The merchandising aspect, Uh, because not enough people follow your lead, right? Mm. When you're, you've got an entire table, like basically run for your spot, like a kid getting loose on recess. (laughs) 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 But how, but how important is that? end? of the business and where did you learn it from?
4: Well, I, I don't even know where I learned it from, man. I kind of just, I just started to see, there wasn't a moment, like I talked about earlier, moment where you're like, oh, you remember watching Hulk Hogan for the first time? There wasn't like, oh my God, I was watching somebody start to make money. But I I do remember listening to a, a Colt Cabana podcast one time. This is many years ago, and he was talking about how he was, how long he had been making a living as an independent wrestler. And up until that point, I had never even considered making a living as an independent wrestler. And he talked about how he broke it down this is how much I need per. Per month, so I need to make this much per week, and this is how much I can make per appearance. But if I add the merch on the top of that, and he kind of had this all mathematically mapped out. And I I'm not like that. I'm not a type A personality. So I never did that from the beginning of my my career as a wrestler. I just wanted to wrestle. So I was just I was just like, I would just show up and wrestle because I loved it. And then I go home and it's like whatever I got in my envelope was what I got. And it would go towards whatever vehicle of the guys I was in there with, and it was on to the next. And it was, I was always just. Really, tunnel vision into well, this isn't where I'm going to make money. I'm going to make money in the WWE. Uh, I want to get to the. I want to get to the Fed. Uh, I want to get to New York. So that's the goal. And then a number of years ago, listening to guys like Colt Cabana and other guys who were really starting to make a living as independent wrestlers, it really s- switched my thinking to be like, wait a minute, you don't have to be in the wwe or on television to make a living in wrestling you just need to hustle and right right? so i had already i had a a, I, i had some hustle at the time i i'd put all this energy in and hours into the gym into the miles on the road and i'm gonna have all these miles on the road to get to where i'm going anyways i need to work a shift when i get to where i'm going is basically what I did. I decided, okay, this is now a shift for me. This, let's treat this like a job. So the beginning of the shift is going out to the table and then selling. And then you go to the next part of your shift where you go to the back and you get ready for your match. And then the next shift is you go out for intermission. And then the next shift is going and either getting, you know, ready for your match if it's later or, you know, decompressing and doing whatever else you got to do. And then after the show, you go back up for the shift at the table. And it became like, no, this is, if I treat it like a job, then that's how it should be treated because that this is what I want it to be. So I'm gonna start treating it like that and I'm gonna start tracking, uh, I'm gonna start tracking what I'm actually making. And then it would just became a competition with myself was like, how much money can I make doing this? Even though I'm not on television, you know, with all this TV exposure, how much can I make without that exposure just as an independent contractor who's hustling? And then I started having a lot of fun and then it became, one item to two to three to 10. It's like, I'm going to out hustle that guy. I'm a competition with myself, with everybody else. And like, let's treat this like a business. So that's my long witted answer to your question, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's really just take viewing this business the way it's supposed to be viewed, which is as a business.
2: Have you ever showed up at a show and there's been somebody that out merchandised you? You were like, why is this? Why is this dude got or this female or anybody? Why does this performer have two tables?
4: No, but this is something else that I decided to do too. There's, I've, I've been at the shows where the guys have a lot of their own stuff, but then they've also got their own like flea market of. Yeah, I don't, dinner. I don't
2: buy it. I don't buy into that.
4: Yeah, they got their own (laughs) WF action figure flea market table. And that's cheating. And also something that I'm never going to, I decided not to do. I had like like an action figure, something that I had, like, that I said, oh, I'm going to put this on the table because I want to get rid of it. And I sold like a WF action figure. This was years and years ago. It was the first thing that left my table. And I remember the feeling I had was like, this feels crappy. Like, this isn't, it's not me. And I'm not selling me. And like, nah, I don't want to start playing that game. So then I'm like, nope. If it's not, you're mine, not, at it's a, not, you're not
2: having a yard sale.
4: Yes. I'm like, you're I'm not, not having a yard sale. No. So, yeah. So, yeah. So I, I, I doing get it. That,
2: so. And there's plenty of companies. There's plenty of companies that do that. Let them sure. do that. But I'm talking yeah. like the merchandise that you sell has to be, you it has to be representative of you. It has to be something that people are buying because yeah. they want to be associated with you. They buy an iron chic doll off of you. You know what they go home and look at an iron chic doll.
4: Exactly. That's it. And, and the other thing that I realized too, and it's not just, that maybe I'm giving away too many trade secrets here, but uh, I talk about this when I do seminars because I do seminars before shows when independent companies bring me in. And one of the things I talk about is adding value to yourself, but also drawing attention to yourself. One of the reasons I have as much stuff as I do at the table isn't just because it gives me more options of things to sell and make money. It's also mm-hmm. like, it's appealing to the eye, the amount of things, everybody's got a t-shirt and an eight by 10, but not everybody has all the colorful items that I have. And then you go to that and then it goes to the eye because the, the, the thing is, is let's be honest. Most people aren't buying an item because they want that item. Right. They're actually, they're paying for the experience with you as an individual right yep. that like it's it's just a piece of paper with my picture on it you know it's not worth 10 20 bucks but it is to that person who mm-hmm. gets to talk to me and then sign it and have an experience and then go home and look at that and remember that memory they had of hanging out with Cody Diener for a few minutes and getting that signature. That's what they're paying for. So, and I'm happy to give that to them because I genuinely love working the table, not just a conversation uh, or not just because I like to have uh, make money, but it's also because I like to have conversations and meet my fans. And then you, you meet your audience and then you can adjust your game plan. Cause it's like, it's like research, man. It's market research, working the table. Yeah. Honestly, it is. If you look at it Absolutely. that way, it's so helpful. Especially
2: once you start going to towns that you've been to before.
4: You know what I mean? You're like,
2: Oh, I'm going to see these people at this town for sure. I'm going to see them. I know that this type of person, I know what this town is into. I can Mm -hmm. kind of like gear it that way. And you're, you're absolutely right. When I was, you know, when I was doing it, it wasn't for the sake of having just a bunch of stuff. It was for the sake yes. of having choice. I don't want to walk into a store and be like, "Well, I guess I'm buying this because it's the only thing on the shelf." I didn't yeah. really want that. It's nice to have some choice. I don't need an eight mm-hmm. by ten of you know everybody on this roster hanging on my wall because I'm not that much of a fan. But you know what is cool? This shirt. You know what else is cool? This hat. Hell, you know what? This keychain. Also mm-hmm. very cool. So maybe just something like that, right? So I get that. You mentioned earlier when all of this was just a, a a side piece, you know, because you were going to the WWE and then it happened. Mm -hmm. Tell me about, walk me back to that. How, how you got the call to for the tryout to Mm -hmm. uh,
4: go down there. So I had been sending tapes for probably about a year, like actual Mm -hmm. tapes. So when I say tapes, it was like a VHS tape. Some, so that I would send in the mail and an eight by 10, and an eight by ten, right? An eight by ten and a tape. And I'm so glad. I don't remember who gave me this piece of advice. It might have been Tyson Dukes, um, or 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 Tornado, who were also doing a lot of um dark matches and things at the time. They said, Don't forget, right. put your phone number on the tape. Right. So, right, not just the resume you send in that has your information, but put it on the tape. And I'm so glad that I did that because the person that was in charge of hiring extras and um, extra talent to come in switched and Tommy dreamer was in the office as the new guy booking extra talent. He was in his office for like about a week and Tommy dreamer called me and, and uh, we had like a 30 minute conversation of him putting over my match and kind of wanting to bring me in and do some extra work. And he, he told me that, on his first week he had just had this pile of tapes there was no resumes there was no eight by tens there was just tapes and he saw my tape and he loved it and thankfully i'd put my phone number on the tape so that he was able to contact me and uh put me over brought brought me in for just to do extra work there's no guarantees you're even gonna get into a ring but my first loop uh, I got to have a dark match, uh, on raw and then the, that went so well that the next day they asked me to do the spot with Kurt Angle on SmackDown. So it was kind of just this whirlwind few days that honestly, I, I couldn't even process it until I got home for a few days and was like, Oh my God, did I just do that? I was, I was four years in, I was four years into the business at the time. And like, what, what a freaking awesome experience it was, man.
2: Do you still have the stub? From no, the check, you? no, oh,
4: no, I don't. No, no, no. Uh, I got paid in cash. They didn't pay what? checks. I got paid wow. cash, cash money, bro. And a uh, fun little side note. I think I've maybe told this story before, but like my thing with Kurt Angle went so well uh, mm-hmm. the second day that as soon as I come back through the locker room I'm, or back through the curtain and uh, I'm about to go back to the locker room, I just hear Cody and this like deep voice. and I turn around and it's Vince McMahon. Who was sitting in gorilla and he stands up, comes around the table and starts walk, doing his Vince McMahon power walk towards me. I'm like, oh my God, oh shit, what did I do wrong? What did I, right. what did I mess up? Like think, and he just sticks at his hand and says, thank you. He goes, that was awesome. You did a hell of a job. Follow Johnny. And I shake his hand and it was Johnny Ace, John Laurinaitis, and he follows me to the money man and they open up their briefcase and he hands me an extra 500 bucks. So I got I got paid uh, in cash, not just for the day, but then I got paid an extra cash because Vince McMahon told me I did a good job. So that was, again, something that I going home and processing that moment. It took a few days for it to sink in what that that was real
2: where was your where was your hometown hero-ness from do you remember what city was? i it? was
4: from rochester new york uh <laughs> <for> that <laughs> night i was and
2: they don't do more of the hometown hero stuff
4: anymore i don't know man i don't know if it's because of social media and like people know or something but like it almost backfired on me because i said that on the mic and I had just started to do a lot of indies in the New York state area. I was wrestling for an awesome company who's still around today, empire state wrestling ESW. And I had worked there a lot and there was a lot of ESW fans in the crowd. So that when Kurt Angle said, you know, where are you from kid? And I said, Rochester, New York, there's a big pop. Because I said the, 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 the town name, but if you go back and watch it, you start to hear this rumbling and you start to hear liar, liar. And then by the end, within twenty seconds, the whole arena is chanting liar. And if you're watching on TV, you might think, oh, they're 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 doing that to Kurt Angle because he's saying he's going to give this kid a fair shot. So it kind of like right. comes across on TV like, oh, Kurt Angle's a liar, but that's not why they're chanting liar. They're they're chanting it at me for saying I was from Rochester and I'm just listening to Kurt in my back of my head. I'm, I'm just going, Shut up, shut up, shut up. Stop, don't ruin this for me. If this chant gets too loud, they're gonna cut it from the show. But no, nope, they didn't cut it from the show. It made the show, and uh, it was it was a pretty awesome experience.
2: <laughs> smart marks trying to get at you, huh?
4: Yeah, you man, know, and that, the other and, that, and
2: I'm sure the other people in the audience are like, We don't know why we're saying this, we're just saying it because everybody exactly. else is
4: exactly right, but it worked that smart mark started from you know the few hundred ESW marks to you know 20,000 people or whatever filling that arena it was wild
2: has and you've watched it you've watched it change let's talk about this for a second because the mm. quote quote and I'm throwing them up there the smart mark of the business has yeah. changed right yes I can remember when it was like listen And we're all Marks. We're all Marks for the business, even the workers. That's how we got into it. You just got done telling a story about how your mother gave you garbage bags and you used to rip them because you thought you were Hulk Hogan, you know what I mean, before you were able to out of school. We're all Marks for the business. That's why we got into it. But there's a difference between being a Mark for the business and being an overly um, excitable fanboy for Mm -hmm. the business. That's a different Mm -hmm. thing. But the smart Mark that when that came along, along with the internet, that changed a lot of things. Everybody kind of like thought they had an inside view because of a rumor somebody might've said or whatever the case may be, but we're in and they would go at you at shows. They Mm would like, they would try stuff like that. It's changed now where like the smart Mark is almost sometimes on your side because they're like, Oh, I know. And he's just putting on a show. We're going to back him up. You know what I mean?
4: Yeah. Yeah
2: the evolution of the business itself has changed a lot, but hasn't because there's still the one thing. And I want to get your opinion on this. There's still the one thing that happens. The internet is so mean Mm -hmm. when it comes to professional wrestlers, Mm -hmm. period always has been right. The internet, what they say to you at a show is completely different but the internet itself, why do you think wrestling itself puts up with it? Does it need that negativity in it? Because it's never gone away. Everybody, let me just to give you an example here, Matt Cardona puts out a tweet a little while ago, 2024, going to be, you know, I'm paraphrasing, going to be an exciting year instead of, instead of, you know, crapping on the things that we don't like, how about we praise the things that we do like? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But that's a tweet that goes out not by him, but by the somebody in the business every single year and has ever since Twitter's been a thing.
4: Yep. Why hasn't it I, changed yet? So I don't think it's a problem that's specific to the wrestling business. I think it's a problem that all humans have. We just wrestling just ends up being a microcosm for the uh an issue of human nature. So right i see this when i go into schools and i do my presentations i have a whole section of my speech of, of my life journey and the lessons that i've learned in it with a slide that says focus on the positive rather than the negative negative," and i give examples in my life of where if i would have focused on the negative i wouldn't have got to where i am the only reason I was able to move forward is because I focused on the positive rather than the negative. This isn't an easy thing to do because by nature, we want to focus on negative things because it's easy to contribute to negativity because you could keep it on, right? It's, it's actually harder to focus on the positive. And we see this on any social media post. If I make a post and this is, I've, if I make a post, she didn't even say I because I don't do this. I don't post negative things. But if I, if I see a post that somebody has posted about something that in their feed and they're that's negative, and you look at all the comments and the interaction with it, it's huge. And nothing else this person posts, this about their day to day boring or positive life, gets any interaction. But the negative thing does. And then even my own stuff that I post that's positive, I just did one recently about the positivity of TNA coming back. And now I put it on my Facebook, and over the last few days, it's just been taken over by fans that want to talk about uh, whether WWE and AW is any better and TNA, they shouldn't even be in the conversation. It's like, whoa, I was just posting a positive thing about how awesome TNA is, and then they just jump on it because somebody brought something negative into it and then, then it starts to spin. I, I think it's a, definitely a problem in wrestling, but I also see it on things outside of wrestling, responding to negativity and to criticism using negativity. I think it's human nature, man. And I just fight against it and I'm proactive against it, such as my podcast. I decided I am not going to do the thing that some podcasts like to do, which is, oh, what's hot right now oh these two guys have heat and are bickering let's talk about it on our show and then just get other talking heads to talk about the negative thing that's happening because that's what news does man that's what cnn does that's fox news that's what every major news outlet does is take the negative thing and then have people talk about it so i get why people are doing that in wrestling news but i'm not going to play that game i'm going to go hey Let's do what me and you are doing right now. Let's talk about each other's journeys and the positive stuff around it and move things forward in a positive way. So does wrestling need it? Hell no. Are we going to get rid of it? Hell no. All we can do is just try to be a good example and be positive ourselves. That's the only thing that I know how to do and the only thing I know I'm going to continue to do.
2: Yeah, I tell people all the time, like through throughout all of this is like, I'm not a journalist. I don't claim to be a journalist. I don't want to be a journalist. When Mm -hmm. I started doing this show back in 96, 97, we started all of that. We weren't journalists then either. It's all been done for entertainment. This entire show, the law live audio wrestling has always been an entertainment show. There was already a Dave Meltzer out there in the world back then. Who's a journalist. There's already the fightful.com. Shout out to Jimmy Van, right uh, out there already, yeah. who does this? There's already the Wade Keller's, the Brian Alvarez's. There's those. There's already journalists. I had a conversation with Chris Van Fleet about that and asked him if you don't consider yourself a journalist, what do you mm-hmm. really consider yourself? And he says I'm a podcast host. I'm an I'm an entertainment news guy. I'm a yeah. you know what I mean. All of these other yes. things. I'm not a journalist because I don't want to get locked up and tied into those conversations
4: yes for two and there's a
2: reasons.
4: oh but there's for two there's reasons a, for me there's a market yeah, there's a market for that right like we're not bashing no. guys that do that you're just like yeah. making the point like the same well i like to say it's like there's already someone that does that and that's all the power to them if that's what they want to yeah. do but that's not what i want to do so sorry you yeah. cut you out there's two yeah. reasons what are they i'm two interested to hear re-
2: two reasons the number one reason is because i don't want to get tied down into that mire Mm -hmm. The second reason, the most important reason is because we're on, we're in the business. Chances are the story they're talking about, we already know. Mm -hmm. And we haven't said anything about it already because the business is a very small, tight knit family, a very small circle and news travels. So, you know, who's out there being stooges and who's not keeping their mouths shut.
4: Exactly. Right. 100% (laughs) yes and you don't like I always learned, and I'm so grateful that I learned this lesson early on you know that when you first start in the business you know keep your mouth shut and your ears open so that that's a true in the locker room but take that outside now and that's a hard thing for a lot of young wrestlers to do because you they decide to hop on their Twitter machine and say that be a stooge or or even just go out and say this negative thing and they get all this feedback and this attention and like oh man if i just if i say stuff like that i'm gonna get attention and okay you might be getting attention but guess what else you're probably also getting heat and not the not, good kind. <laughs> not the good kind. You're getting tons. heat with the locker room, and it's not not the good kind of heat. There's good heat and bad heat. You and I know the difference, and I'm not in the I'm not in the business of trying to get the bad kind.
2: <laughs> nope, nope. It's fun to watch from the wall.
4: That's right.
2: Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it comes down to this. It comes down to who you take advice from, and I know mm-hmm. that you've talked about this before on your show. Wrestling is life. Life is wrestling. Mm-hmm when you were younger in the business who are the guys that you took advice from when you first started out because oh, you man. know as well as i do there's yeah. good advice and there's bad advice you have to be very very conscious of who you take advice from
4: yep right yep well i was i was very lucky that i had a number of guys that i hopped into a car with and when i when i look back on it it's i never had like A mentor that was like okay this is the one person whose tree i'm gonna sit under and i'm just gonna take everything they say and apply it i was just lucky enough that i jumped in with a lot of really awesome guys that i didn't view in a mentorship role it was like they were my friends but we were friends that were helping one another you know what I mean? So yep. that it was it was a really cool situation in the sense that I didn't have to like, I don't know, feel like the young boy who was like, just shut up and don't say anything. like, no, i'm I'm in this van with these guys. you know, whether it was my trainer, Danger Boy Derek Wild, or Tyson Dukes or Tornado, or someone who only had a couple years on me and Eric Young. Um, then I was hopping in the ring or hopping in the ring and in the van with, you know, TJ Harley, Jake O'Reilly, crazy Steve, all guys that were like my friends, however, all love the business and love to talk about the business. So we could like, we'd bounce ideas off of each other. And sometimes we'd be learning from either our own mistakes or learning from each other's mistakes. And, you know, us sharing like, Hey man, this is this one thing I did. It didn't work or this one thing I did got me a lot of heat. It's like, okay, yeah, I'll stay away from that. You know? So re- <laughs> really, you know, we're learning from each other in a lot of ways, but for sure, the, my, the initial, like just the concept of like, shut your mouth, do your job, work harder than everybody else and be a professional. From My trainer was danger boy. Derek wild taught me like, Put in the work, outwork everybody in whatever way you can. That was you know, my, my first mentor, I, if, I would, if I would say I have one. Definitely Danger Boy as my trainer. And then other guys that saw something in me. The next one was Eric Young. He's one of the first guys that kind of saw something in me and realized that I was good and told me as much and was willing to like, hey, I, I, got, a, I got a car load already hop in my car and we'll we'll hit the towns together. And then that's where I started to meet all these awesome people, like the guys I just mentioned. So those are two guys for sure.
2: And now moving forward this many years later, you have a new role. You have a new life in TNA wrestling.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Who do you go to for advice now?
4: That's a very good question. One thing that I tell young people um, in the role as producer at TNA, which I, I, Love being in that role, by the way. But one thing that I say is related to what you just said. I said, hey, don't go get advice from everybody. Pick your people and go to those people. Because if you go to 10 people, as you know, you're going to get 10 different pieces of advice and they're all going to be different and more than likely they're going to be conflicting and now you're going to be really screwed up and then it's going to mess with your confidence and then you're not going to be able to do what you do best you got to know yourself and be confident and so you got to go to your people uh one is someone i already named and eric young he's someone that i go to because i trust him um not just because he's my friend but i also trust him because he's not going to bullshit me and tell me what i want to hear i don't want to go to people that are just going to tell me what i want to hear i if I suck at something, I want someone who's going to tell me what sucked. One of those guys is Eric Young and another guy is Tommy Dreamer. He's someone that uh, I respect gratefully and is also going to shoot straight with me and always give me criticism. I don't know. I Even though I say focus on the positive, uh, when it comes to criticism, I actually feed off of legit constructive criticism Sure, you can tell me a few of the things that I did well, but I also, I want to know what I did wrong because I want to fix it. I don't want to do it wrong the next time. So I don't need to be, uh, I don't, you don't need to tell me five sweet things to tell me the one thing that I did wrong. Some people are like that. I'm not, just tell me what sucked so I can fix it. So I, I go to Eric Young and Tommy Dreamer two guys uh, that I go to for things like that.
2: What's been the toughest part uh, about moving into the producer role? Because we don't call them agents anymore. What's been the toughest part? (laughs) You know what I mean for yourself. It could it couldn't possibly be the being able to relate and talk to people because you do that outside of the world of professional wrestling. Mm
3: -hmm.
4: Yeah. So it it, can't be that. So what is it? It's it's managing people because that's really what you're doing. You're managing people. So you have you you learn okay, what what do i how do i have to approach this person to get the best out of them because everyone's different if you just have if you're setting your ways and go this is the way i talk to people well you're screwed because everybody's different so if you need to get someone to up their game and you want to help someone get to the next level you can't just talk to them the way you talk to them you have to find out how do they respond to to criticism um, to guidance, you gotta learn, you gotta learn the people. So it's it's really a, a position of managing humans. And you and I both know, <laughs> professional wrestlers are some of the most sensitive, vain, yet egotistical people all in one. Like every single wrestler has a giant ego, but you also can shatter that ego with one bad word. (laughs) Like we're all, it's, it's, we're, we're a very unique set of people. So luckily I've had enough experience in my life to learn about how most wrestlers think. And then working with a lot of people, both as a speaker and other things that I've done in my life, it's learning how to manage people and when and you go I, when I you actually show like up. that yeah, yeah. I, I enjoy when, that i i'm genuinely curious about people and how they work so that's something that i dive right into
2: when you show up because i you know that like malenko handles the women's division in the company yeah. he works in like do you have a certain group of people or is it different show to show for you
4: uh it's kind of different it's okay. you know i the two thing two types of matches or types of segments in the show that i i tend to gravitate towards and they tend to put me in charge of are ones that involve characters that have a lot of moving parts i'm i've i've always been able to and i've had a number of people tell me this um i remember one one person in particular um big cass when he came into to impact and he was involved in a match with me and uh we were going over the match and he looks at me and goes he goes dude how do you do this i go what do you mean he goes you know what everyone in the match is doing you don't just know what you're doing you know what all eight guys are doing i'm like well yeah i, I it's my job to know that and i wasn't aging at the time has he ever thought about do it, being an agent i'm like yeah i have and uh, shortly after that i started aging but um if there's a lot of moving parts I've always been able to know what those moving parts are, where should they should where they should go, what they should involve. So that's one thing. And then also, I I, I do tend to do produce a lot of knockout matches as well. A lot of the female matches. Uh, Gail Kim is an amazing producer, but we don't have just one female match on a show we have multiple because we have an awesome roster we have two different divisions right we have the that we have the knockouts division as well as the knockout tag division so gail can't can't do it all so i also get a lot of the knockout matches as well which i i thoroughly enjoy doing especially knowing that i'm helping build what i humbly feel is the best women's division in wrestling if if i can help make that division even better then i will so those tend to be the 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 two types of matches and segments of the show that i get involved in
2: who's who's been the best sponge like who's been like you're like oh yeah we're gonna have fun again tonight like who you know what i mean you see they're like oh i'm 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 working i'm working this match i get to you know put Mm -hmm. produce this match for them oh yeah this is gonna be the one
4: I, I, the first person that came to mind for me was Joe Henry. Uh, I, I got to produce a number of his initial matches, which was his introduction into the business. And I took great pride in producing those first number of matches that he was in because I know how important first impressions are. Right. So I was taking it upon myself to explain step by step. You can't do this. You have to do this instead, or this needs to be tweaked for this to happen because you only get a shot at a first impression once. There's only one. And so he's a very thoughtful, insightful guy who's very calculating about everything that he does in the business. He's a fascinating guy. And We, Me and him have talked on my show Another plug for wrestling is life is wrestling I've had him on my show but I've also been on his show And just talked backstage Whenever we talk it's about The business and these Aspects of All the things you can learn within it So he's a sponge man He takes everything that I say Like to heart And then also applies it right away That's the really cool thing as a producer When you actually give someone advice And then they apply it that's that's a nice feeling because sometimes that doesn't happen, right? You're, there's you're, nothing, you're,
2: there's you're, nothing worse than you, you're you're agenting or producing a match. We've all been there at one time yeah. or another, right? In the locker yeah. room, and you're and you're explaining to them what what the promoter and what the people ahead of you, you know how this rolls. Mm-hmm. It rolls downhill. What they're looking for, what they want, and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, got it, no problem, got it. Got it. Yeah. And then they go out there, and you're standing back, and you're like. What the, that was, that wasn't even close to what we were talking about. Yeah,
4: yeah, man. And for me, what I do in that situation, because I, I'm all about what I can control. It goes back to that. I go, okay, I just internalize it. Instead of getting mad at the person, I go, okay, what did I do wrong? Like, did, how did, right? Like, did, did how I did I, that?
2: how did I not yeah. convey this? How did this I not explain well this well or enough?
4: convey it? Yeah. I, I internalize it always. i never placing blame because that doesn't do anybody good. I go, okay, how do I got, now I've learned that whatever I did to explain that to that person th- that time didn't work. So if I'm working with that person again, I got to switch up my tactic because the, the, the first way I tried obviously didn't reach them. <laughs> yeah. Wow.
2: Let me ask you this. What's next then? Because obviously, you know, you, you, you go to that backstage role, right? Mm-hmm. You become producer. Um, yeah. At what point do you talk your wife into letting you run a promotion? (laughs) (laughs) Or, or, or what is it, you know, because nobody wants to be a weekend father (laughs) because she'll leave you with the kids. I'm telling you straight up. If you decide to be a promoter.
4: (laughs) Yeah.
2: I have no, what's, what's the next, what's the next part? Or are you just happy living in the moment right now? Have they given you any ideas?
4: yeah i want to learn i've always been somebody that i have an entre- entrepreneurial mind okay. and i didn't even realize it until a couple of years ago for some stupid reason my noggin didn't think when my buddies like oh man you're such with your i was doing it because i was high in my merch at the time he's like oh man like your your entrepreneurial spirit is very like um contagious i'm like wow well, what do you mean and they told me all the reasons why i'm an entrepreneur i'm like oh yeah i guess i am like and i think part of the way that i think is i want to learn I, I i love learning and i want to learn all aspects so like w- earlier in our conversation when i'm talking about well, i just want to be a wrestler so i'm gonna learn what it's what it means to be in the ring but then as like, oh no wait now i want to learn like how do i make some more money in a different revenue stream in terms of merchandise and then how do i make that better and up my merchandise game and then continue. So it's about learning all these different aspects of the business. I've really, I think I got more to learn as a producer. Heck, I got more to learn in the ring. We're never stop learning, right? But once I feel like I've really mastered that and got the hang of it, and I've been doing it for a couple of years now and, and, and really have enjoyed it. I think there's the way this beautiful business is, there's a lot of different things that you can, that are involved in it. Right. Um, There's there's creative. I've always been a very creative person. Um, Maybe I end up dabbling in that talent relations, which is dealing with human beings and helping people become better. Um, There's a lot of different departments in wrestling that uh, I'm interested in learning and learning about and getting involved in. So as long as I'm involved in this beautiful business of professional wrestling in some shape or form, then I can be happy, which is one of the reasons why I want to do producing in the first place, because I've been doing this for 24 years. And as you know, firsthand, your body only lasts so long. So I was very proactive in the sense that before my body completely quits on me, let me see if I can learn some different avenues. So I got into the production avenue and I'm currently got my fingers dabbling in a couple other things as well and learning from some people that I, I, I trust. So what's next for me? I don't know for sure, but I know that it's in multiple departments in wrestling. Cause I just, I just want to learn it all.
2: You talk about, you talk about in your,
4: uh, Chris Gray speaks,
2: mm-hmm. uh, and your motivational speaking stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you talk about things like not letting the bad stuff get you down always focus on the positive, always make sure that you're focusing on that. But I want to ask you what it was like, like clearly you had a mission before where you, you were going to the WWE, Mm -hmm. right? And then you weren't going to the WWE. Do you remember that moment? And how was it for you that like you clearly you have to dig in deep, you know what I mean? Because that's, that's a childhood dream. I'm not going to be Hulk Hogan not with this company but before you realize there's so much more out there what was yeah. that time for you
4: so i was doing a lot of extra work and i did work for both wwe and tna in the same week i worked in both companies and the i remember at the end of that week thinking okay I want to go to a place where I'm happy and I feel good about wanting to go to work. And I had done a lot of extra work for WWE and I was starting to get to the point where every time I was going, I would get that feeling in my stomach of like, Oh, I got to go and I got to walk on eggshells for the entire day and try to not screw up um, while I'm there. Where that negative walking on eggshell feeling never came across my body or my mind when i was doing stuff with tna that didn't that feeling never happened so then i quickly started to think to myself that's the place that i want to be i want to go to a place where i get to i have freedom and i look forward to going to work so then that tunnel vision of wanting to wrestle for the wwe all of a sudden that tunnel just like crumbled and i wasn't just one track mind it became okay i i, I want to work for tna and then that it happened and that that goal happened for me and then the goal became i just want to make a living doing what i love and over time I've fallen in love with multiple things. (laughs) Uh, So I I, I fell in love with being a speaker. So I'm like, okay, I want to make a, if I can make a living speaking to people um, and changing people's lives in a positive way, that's awesome. If I can make a living as a wrestler, amazing. If I can make a living and make some money interviewing my friends and putting it up on the internet and calling it a podcast, amazing. So let's just make some money doing something that I want to be doing anyways um then it doesn't feel like work. So that's really been the goal is uh I've been I've worked a lot at trying not to work a day in my life. <laughs> is like basically were, what it is.
2: Like not at all like when you were a teacher.
4: Not at all like that actually. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Because that that was a hustle. Right that was a hustle to feed my wrestling habit really i i I became a teacher because i got a degree um because i thought that's what you kind of had to do so i was getting i got my teaching degree uh while i was hustling on the indies and it became a really good side hustle gig that gave me freedom to do what i really loved and um has helped me kind of helped give me a, a safety net for a lot of the years where I struggled making a living as a wrestler. I had teaching there as like, okay, you still got some money coming in when you don't sell enough t-shirts on the weekend or the bookings aren't coming in like gangbusters. It gave me a good financial safety net. And now I can happily say that that safety net is is no longer there. Uh, it's all just my my hustles with, with with my speaking business with wrestling my producing my podcasting all the stuff i got going on um i only do what i want to do and not many people can say that so i feel very blessed
2: and everybody else i mean there was already too many personal trainers in the, right. of the professional wrestling <laughs> <laughs> that's Remember, right that was, too that many was everybody's side gig so what do you That's do right. a personal trainer so that i can what do you do oh, i work at a bar uh, okay. yep.
4: Yep. <laughs> right? and there's a lot there's a lot of teachers too is actually absolutely
2: right you know done right it absolutely affords you that freedom
4: to do so. and and like i said earlier i believe that everything in my life happens for a reason and i also be- yeah. believe that the things that i've done have been a training ground for other things that I want to do. So helping manage people to get the most out of them. I learned a hell of a lot sitting down with, I actually taught adults when I was in in teaching. So I taught dropouts that this was their last chance at getting their degree. So sitting down with someone who hates school, doesn't want to be in school is overcoming a drug addiction. And I got to try to get them to stay in that seat and get their degree you got to you got to learn how to reach people in a in a very special way so i got a i got a lot of experience doing that helping manage people and then it got me I also had to do a song and dance every day when I was teaching adults like how do I got to keep these people in the room the the classes I taught were six hours a day so I'm not going to be able to I'm not going to make you sit there and do seat work for six hours I'm going to put on a song and dance and entertain you so a lot of the skills that I learned for motivational speaking and getting up in front of people and just talking uh, I also learned from teaching so man it's Everything happens for a reason. All the things that I did have really just prepared me for 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 what I do now.
2: And if and if all of those people that you taught in those adult classes only knew that your degree doesn't mean bupkiss as mm-hmm. a professional wrestler.
4: Yes. I know. <laughs> yeah. The the cool thing is I've had so many of my my former students message me because they knew that I was I was a wrestler, too. Right. I was I would tell them I I was open with them. They go, hey, this is what this is what uh, Mr. Gray. I I wouldn't call myself Mr. Gray. I was just Chris to them. Uh, I was like, this is what Chris does on the weekends. And a lot of them would come to my shows if I was in the area. And like then the. It was actually really inspiring to them when they saw because they knew this is what I want to r- really be doing with my life. And then now that I'm doing that, I get messages all the time from my former students like, you know, man, I'm so happy that you're doing what you're doing. And it's inspiring to me to make me want to push forward. And all the lessons you were trying to teach me in class, I've hung on to those. And now I'm doing this, and I have a kid, and my kid, I'm teaching them this, and they love school. And oh, man, if you just, if you just focus on the positive and try to put good things out there in the world, I believe it comes back to you. And in my life, it's it's come back to me tenfold in a lot of different it ways. It
2: absolutely does. Cody, I want to thank you so much for joining us. I've got two more for you here before we Sweet. wrap this whole thing. Up.
4: Hell yeah, let's
3: do it. Number one. Okay.
2: Tell me, tell me what the biggest misconception about TNA is right now.
4: Ooh, the biggest misconception is about TNA. You know what? Every single, the first one that comes to mind, I usually, I'll just shoot with that. Every pay-per-view television taping that we've done in like the past year, two years, uh, I've posted a picture of the either near sold out or sold out venue and put over the shows, put over the company, and for some reason, There's people that say, oh, yeah, there's 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 impact wrestling doing their show in front of 30 people. I don't know why there's this misconception that we don't have a dedicated fan base or there's a there's a small minority of people uh, that think that um, as going back to some of the negativity we're talking about in social media earlier. There is a small contingent of people that think that we don't have a loyal fan base that could not be further from the truth tna fans are tna fans and in the last year i think every single pay-per-view that we did with the exception of maybe one or two was sold out uh in a, in a row we had a string of sellout of events last year that was super exciting and the roster the, the felt so good about it and it was we would they would tell us it was sold out again so yeah man i think there's a misconception that they're that you know i guess because of all the wwe aw stuff that um that's the drama that they go through and and the, the right that the dirt sheets like to pick up on we don't have a lot of dirt maybe that's why maybe we need more dirt and tna to help get ourselves in the headlines (laughs) i don't know but we don't have any because everyone enjoys going to work and helping one another so it's pretty sweet that way uh but yeah man the we that we need to just misconception that we need to get an a, a loyal fan base back man we have it we we have it we have people that I meet people at every TNA show that know exactly what I have done with my career in the last two years and, and enjoy the the stories that we're telling and they know each and every little promo that's happened and man, they love TNA. And so to those of you TNA fans that are out there that have been following me and our company, thank you. Keep doing it. I recognize it. And even if some people don't myself and the rest of TNA roster, we recognize it and we appreciate it
2: always finding a way to put yourself over first. Cody Diener, you son of a <laughs> I love it. I love it. And that's fantastic. <laughs> one more, one more, and then we're going to wrap this whole thing up. Okay. Tell me something about Cody Diener, about Christopher Gray, that nobody knows yet.
4: Oh man, that nobody knows.
2: Cause there's always going to be things inside that your family knows and we don't, I'm not looking for, you know, none yeah, of that yeah, kind yeah. of stuff. Right. But there's, there's, you know, a lot of people know that you're a drummer. A lot of wrestlers are drummers. It seems like, I think it's yeah. a rhythm thing, right? But there's always going to be something. There's always something that you haven't talked about yet. Tell me something that people need to know about Cody Deaner, but don't know yet.
4: Oh man. Uh, something that just came to mind for me and i don't think i've talked about this uh but i'm definitely willing to i know i've shared this with students and um before but no maybe not even in my speeches i'm a very sensitive man and i'm a crier so you put i'm a sucker for a good rom-com so even though i might be a, a an evil heel that runs a cult on television uh is trying to be a cult leader man you put on a really good episode of full house and you see bob saget is is giving a life lesson to his girls by the end of that episode i'm bawling my eyes out i I, i'm (laughs) i'm a very sensitive guy i was before i had kids uh now i have four three of them are daughters and since I've had my girls, I've become exponentially more sensitive than I even was. Um, but I've always been somebody who feels things deeply. Um, I remember lining up for kindergarten. And so I had just spent like years putting on the yellow grocery bag and watching Hulk Hogan and letting my, my mom letting me beat up stuffed animals all day. And then, Uh, then I had to go to school. It's time to go to school. I don't, I just want to be home with mom watching Hulk Hogan and and beating up my teddy bear. But I go to school and I'm lining up for my first day of kindergarten and I'm lining up and I'm just bawling my eyes out. And my mom says, It's okay, sweetie. You can watch Hulk Hogan and beat up the teddy bear when you get home. You don't have to be sad. Mommy'll be here at the end of the day. You don't need to cry. I said, That's not why I'm crying. She's like, Well, why are you crying? I said, Because they're crying and I point at the other kids in line and all the other kids are crying and I'm feeling that emotion so heavily that it's making me cry and I'm still to this day if I see somebody else cry it makes me cry immediately I just I don't know what it is about myself but that's kind of always the way that I've been. I think I've used it to my advantage in the sense that the business that we're in, Christopher, we are in the business of making people feel something. Right. So that's always been my goal with what I do is I want to make the audience feel something, whether that's anger, happiness, sadness, uh, pity, sympathy, whatever we're in the business of making people feel something maybe i have a knack for that because i'm such a deep feeling person and sensitive person myself i i don't know um my wife might tell you opposite she might say what the hell you call yourself sensitive for you insensitive prick uh (laughs) but but i i am i i can be and am a, a sensitive sensitive soul so yeah
2: no i think it has to do with the name christopher it is definitely it something if I found myself in those similar situations, wait till you get a couple of years older and yeah. the, uh, the T levels start to drop out on you a little bit <laughs> <laughs> and you go talk to your doctor and he's like, no, they're fine. I'm like, no, they're not doc. Uh, let's boost them sons of bitches right up through the ceiling. I had that
4: dude. I just a couple of years ago, I had that conversation with my doctor. I'm like, can we do like a test here? Because I think I, right. I think something's off. Yeah. Why
2: why am why am I feeling why am I feeling <laughs> over this like commercial right now on TV? <laughs> 100 <ridiculous>. percent man. Totally. <laughs> I got one more here that I want to ask you about. And we're going to run through this very quickly because I need to I need to know the answer to this. As you can see here, we have pictures of Cody hey. Diener. And yeah. I want to know, we're going to run through this, and I'm going to see if you can notice any kind of similarity in all of these. As we go through these pictures. And we're looking at all of them. Right? Oh, look at me with my all of my belts and everything here. Right? Are we noticing a pattern in any of this? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what it is if you're watching this. These are all fantastic pictures, by the way. But Cody, why don't you know how to keep your mouth shut in a picture? <laughs> <laughs>
4: oh christopher it's, uh... why do
2: we do this in wrestling we do this in wrestling where we everybody does it right everybody yeah. does the yeah we're not screaming it's the fake scream no. waiting for we're bugs to fly, in fly into your face yeah <laughs> why <laughs> you're either screaming in silence or smelling the worst fart you've ever smelled in your entire life right. these are the faces that you make in wrestling
4: now, I don't have that many. I think there was maybe one of those, but I there's not. I try to stick away from the the wrestler, the <laughs> fist up on right? tough guy pose. I've tried to stay away from that one. So I don't have that many. It's just me making a fist doing the classic <laughs> wrestler pose. So my, my default, rather than this one, is that one. <laughs> so, uh, which... If, if you're just an audio listener, you got to watch the right? YouTube version yeah, of this and you'll it's, know it's, what I just did. So i am sending some people <laughs> to your YouTube there, Christopher. Tremendous, <laughs> tremendous.
2: Uh Diener, it's always a pleasure. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not often enough that we get to catch up in person, yeah. but we live such amazing lives. And so that when we do get a chance to catch up like this, it's, it's always a treat for myself, especially, uh, I'm motivated after talking to you for this long to just do something. You have this infectious way about you of getting people motivated. Hmm. And you know this, plain and simple. So I'm just blowing smoke up your ass. So enough of that. Cody Deaner, for everybody that wants to check you out, where can they see you? Where are you going to be at? Um, and how can they get a hold of you?
4: Well, uh, social media is a good way of, of getting a hold of me. I'm just at Cody Diener on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, you've been kind enough to put my website at the bottom of the graphic there. If you're watching this on YouTube, just Cody That has links to all of my socials and I, I keep them updated on where I'm going to be. Also on CodyDeaner.com, it'll redirect you if you're interested to learn more about my speaking career. It'll send you to ChrisGraySpeaks.com. There's a link right there at the Cody Deaner website. And then also kind of front center right now on my Cody dinner website is my podcast. Wrestling is life is wrestling. Uh, I it's something I've been doing for half a year already, man. I'm at the six month mark. I've had some amazing guests. I'm really enjoying that medium and that new adventure. As I was talking earlier, this entrepreneurial spirit I have, I've talked about doing a podcast for a long time. So, uh i'm gonna be doing that and i'm dropping stuff every single week so just that content machine man and you know about this just turning out that machine that never stops uh unless you put a stop to it i'm not i'm putting the pedal to the metal and keep putting out good stuff so people can just check out and i'm just like you i'm on all podcast platforms spotify apple youtube google podcast iHeartRadio. i'm on them all just to type in wrestling as life is wrestling and i've got some amazing guests on there speaking of which christopher i would love if you can return the favor to me and we can flip this script and i could have you on the show as someone who's been in the business for as many years as you have and also been in the podcasting world i'd love to have you on my show we can we can talk shop and i know you've got a super interesting story to tell that people can go to tid talk and listen to your your the wackiness that you've had in your life but i'd love to kind of dig deep into some of those things on on my show so you're not just talking to a screen a little green dot you can talk to me and we can we can talk about some life lessons we've learned both in our personal lives and wrestling if i'm putting you on the spot right now and telling you i want you as a guest but I, i would love to have you on so we can we can do this the other way around
2: yeah, not a chance. Go F yourself. No, I'm kidding.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Absolutely, it would be my yeah. honor. It would be an honor to be on your show sometimes. So definitely, let's let's hook that up because this about. is what it's all about. It's all about just having conversations with people, right? And finding out how people tick and what makes people tick and 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 their story because you don't get a lot of chance to tell your story unless you're doing stuff like this, right? Because we're so busy. We're so busy in the performing end of life. So again, thank you so much. I would love to come on there anytime you want. You know how to get a hold of me as always. Um, Cody, thank you so much, brother. I love you to death.